Rundown is a show where four Catholic men opine on current affairs of the world, on matters of faith, culture, and politics. It's unfiltered, it's daring, and it's certainly unapologetic. The Rundown is a weekly news show. But it's more than that. It's a family of like-minded Catholics who are preparing for the coming chastisement. We cover church news, politics, and current events around the world, linking them in a way no one else does, giving you the perspective no one else can. The Rundown is not meant for children because it informs and prepares parents, young adults, seminarians, even priests watch The Rundown to know about the most pressing and evolving threats to the Catholic faith today. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Feast of the Sacred Heart to everybody. Um, and to, of course, all our Puritan friends in the comments. Uh, smoke if you got them. We have a packed show tonight. It is the Feast of the Sacred Heart in the middle of June, the month of the Sacred Heart, and Pride Month is going hard at it. So we have that for you. Plus, has Fratelli Tutti, uh, the solemnity of Fratelli Tutti, replaced Corpus Christi in the Vatican, and uh, Biden gaffes, and uh, so much more. So we're ready to get into it. And uh, hopefully, uh, we're missing a peep person or two, but they will be joining us shortly. <laughs>
my divine nine family. <laughs> Thank you. 
And welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We are live on the Rundown. We are coming to you live on YouTube, on the Rundown YouTube channel. We're also coming to you on Rumble, our Rumble YouTube channel. You can find that on our Twitter account. It's also linked in the channel YouTube. But above all, we are coming to you on our broadcasting partners on the crusadechannel.com, crusadechannel.com radio the way it should be. Father Martin, how are you doing tonight? Doing well, doing well. I'm still trying to get my Rumble account verified so I can be in the yeah. live chat over there. There we go. James was with us. James has been gifted a new laptop. Thanks to all, all of you who kindly you know supported him. Um, but uh, he's off, and I'm not sure if that's a connectivity issue or what. Uh, I imagine he'll be back in a moment. Uh, this is one of those things he was there. <laughs> Next, we're going to need a grip for new Wi-Fi. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, um, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, good weather here in North Idaho in the uh, God's country, as it were. So we, uh, Mike will be joining us shortly. Um, you know, he had uh, various things to attend to. So, because uh, he hasn't lost forty percent of his employees, like like some outfits, and so he's <laughs> uh, got things to do. And uh, yeah, we've got things to do too. We've got. There he is, James. How are you doing tonight? Oh. Do our mic test now, live. <laughs> <laughs> It looks like a connectivity issue. He's froze. <laughs> he froze. Oh, bloody. There he is. Can you, there he is. Can you hear me? Yeah. We can hear you loud and clear. Maybe raise your volume just a little yeah. bit. We froze again. Okay. So I'm, I don't seem frozen. Uh, you are with us, but I can hear I'm you. Here. Okay. Um, I, you got a yeah, cool my, pose going on. There we go. <laughs> Well, so now um, we now we need a fundraiser for for uh, better internet for what? <laughs> Get you a Starlink or something. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, well, first of all, let, let me open with this. I want to thank everybody who donated to the cause of the laptop. We are now in possession uh, of a uh, new laptop that's uh, quite powerful. So uh, everything that I have, uh, yeah, I need that. So everything that uh, has been on the slate to uh, accomplish will follow soon. And um, it's uh, it's with, uh, you know, all the uh, humility that I thank everybody who put uh, something toward this uh, effort. And, um, you know, uh, I was uh, very blessed to uh, know that a lot of you out there were uh, able to give something. And, uh, you know, so I'm really appreciative of that. Anyway, so let's carry on. All right. Thank you. Uh, and thank you to everyone who, who <laughs> donated to that. So tonight, um, well, here's the situation in France. That is a church burning. I did not find out which church that was. Um, but uh, there's a church that burns down in France practically every other day. Uh, meanwhile, a new mosque is set up in France uh, rather quickly. And so I, I guess we, 
we know we know how that's going. But um, apart from that, we have the Vice President of the United States. Happy Juneteenth! Please have a seat. Please have a seat. <laughs> And to my Divine Nine family. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. So, of all the politicians that are out there, as far as I know, I could be wrong about this, but um, I believe she's the only one that has uh, immediate grandparents that actually owned slaves in Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas none of us have, a, have a, a, an immediate grandparent, you know, maybe great, great parents for some mine were Northern. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I got a slave holding someone down there. Cause my, you know my, what, my right. goes to the flower, but you know, what's interesting is I couldn't say for sure if my great grandparents did not own slaves as well couldn't be sure because there were a lot of warring tribes mm -hmm. back in the old days and if you and your tribe happened to be defeated then sometimes you were let go um and sometimes you were told to uh basically uh be a prisoner of war for a number of years and sometimes you got sold so all of that not quite sure so i i may also have come from a family with uh slave holdings is slavery evil? <laughs> well, let's ask. Let's ask St. Paul. <laughs> Mike, welcome to the program. We're glad to have you back. And um, do you have grandparents that owned slaves, like Kamala Harris? Uh, I don't. I don't believe I had grandparents that owned any slaves. I am reticent to make the following confession on the internet. Uh, given, my, <laughs> given my bona fides with respect to being correct about uh, the tyrants known as uh, Abraham Lincoln, but I am unfortunately a direct descendant of one General Sherman who burned Atlanta oh. to the ground, a mile-wide swath, uh, total oh. war. And so if anyone freed the slaves, allegedly... Uh, using uh, using barbaric um, and um, ends justify the means tactics, it would be my uh, great 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 grandfather, who's uh, who I think I had to go and see Father Ripperger and get a generational exorcism, not just for that, but for other reasons, uh, because Sherman later became a bankster, went mm -hmm. out to uh, the San Francisco, was part of the entity now known as Wells Fargo. And uh, so after, you know, tying railroad ties to trees, insulting the earth and uh, killing massive uh, uh, numbers of, of innocent noncombatants, he then became a usurious bastard. And um, there it is. There we go. That's worse than uh, my being related to Ulysses S. Grant, who uh, basically was a drunk and gambled everything away. I mean, to the point where in the Union Army, Grant used to ride his horse with a cup of tea just to raise the morale of the troops that he wasn't going to be drunk while leading them into command. Then he'd go back to his tent and get himself properly drunk. But um, anyway, <laughs> it's uh, not good. But it's just hilarious to see her opening up Juneteenth. Yet, as far as I know, 
she is the only politician that I am aware of that has actual grandparents who did, in fact, own slaves. As in the parents of her parents. Not great, great, whatever great. But, well, anyway, the news tonight, of course, is that we are the midway, midway through June. I can't believe how fast June is moving. It is the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Glory unto God. And that is the real thing to celebrate this month. But the secular world is celebrating something else. Aymara somos todos. Especialmente en Bolivia y Manazón tenemos diferentes culturas, pero todos somos iguales. Así como yo soy gay, yo soy yo salí primeramente mis el alto. Yo me siento muy feliz de compartir con toda mi gente y mi gente me acepta acá. that that was like a bishop talking about the pope's agenda like same vocabulary same feeling same <laughs> this is the, this is the agenda and we're going right. to stick to i'm very positive this agenda is going to get us through this is exactly what we need as a country it's like the exact same talking line i, I just like, like it baffles my mind that a three-star general a a 60 year old man who maybe has spent 40 years in service to this country who saw combat perhaps in the Korean War, or or maybe you know uh, in Vietnam, or uh, in Desert Storm, um, who has dedicated his life to service, has to salute that absolute disgusting bag of flesh because it wears the fourth star. 
no 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 ribbons whatsoever no personal medals no decorations no achievements no deployments no combat action no anything on the chest of that bag of flesh who is allegedly a four-star general and uh, I, the, the whole thing it, it is so farcical now at this point i mean we we might as well we might as well take action figures or marvel heroes and make them five-star generals in the United States of America, in the USSA, because that is that would be more believable than taking someone like that, who is a fecal fanatic, uh, and, and putting a fourth star on Dick Levine. Dick Levine had a bar mitzvah when he was 13 years old. And now he runs around with long hair as a confused psychopath and a three-star combat veteran like my good friend John Van Alstine would have to salute that bag of flesh. I just don't even understand it. No, there is no way to understand it because it just completely defies any kind of sense whatsoever. And of course, at that same White House picnic where you saw a fake woman, fake general uh you know talking about these things you also had uh, a certain tranny activist decide to flash everyone now we are not going to show that to you um although like for, to explain the thumbnail a little bit that i did uh, i censored that with the uh, faces of dick levine and we put of course certain conservatives reacting to it we'll get to that in a minute but in the meantime here is that same tranny uh reacting to uh, the outrage over his flashing of his fake pr- plastic uh, chest over everyone. Like I said, we're not showing you that, but but his reaction. It has recently come to my attention that conservatives are trying to use the video of me topless at the White House to try to call the community groomers, etc. And I would just like to say that, first of all, going topless in Washington, D.C. is legal. And I fully support the movement in freeing the nipple because why is my chest now deemed inappropriate or illegal when I show it off? However, before coming out as trans, it was not. All you're doing is affirming that I am a woman. All you're doing (laughs) is saying that trans women are women because for some reason, people like to sexualize women's bodies and say that they are inappropriate. My trans masculine friends were showing off their top surgery scars and living in joy. And I wanted to join them. And because it is perfectly within the law in Washington, DC, I decided to join them and cover my nipples just to play it safe. All right. I don't know how much more we want to do, but um, James, it's legal, so therefore it's okay if you've got fake prosthetic, uh, uh, you know, uh, breasts, and um, that somehow it's now okay. And uh, conservative pundit Jesse Kelly, he's been on Tucker Carlson, he's been in places, says, "Hey, it looks hot, man." Yeah, yeah. I was uh, unfortunately at the center of uh, that uh, online uh, blast off there. Uh, a bunch of celebrity conservative gooks decided to uh, 
uh, basically call me out and call me all kinds of silly names, thinking it would uh, ruffle my feathers. Uh, Kelly, whatever his first name is, I don't even follow him uh, on Twitter. I just happened to spot his comment and thought, this is an utterly disgusting comment to make on this issue, especially since now we all know we can confirm that this movement is after our children. And so we don't make light of uh, the situation as it stands where people who are mentally ill and who are right now uh, should be on a dangerous list. These people are mentally ill and they're roaming around uh, city street streets, uh, you know, uh, acting obscene. And then we have somebody who fancies himself to be some sort of uh, conservative uh, uh, troll, so to speak, makes uh, a very asinine comment, an utterly disgusting comment, and I called him out on it, you know? And uh, it probably wouldn't have gotten any traction if he hadn't then quote, t- quote tweeted me afterwards. And then uh, people started to chime in. And then he blocked, funny thing is he blocked a lot of people, but he, he didn't block me. I was the initial instigator of this whole thing. And he since has not blocked me, but he basically quote tweeted me uh, a couple of people uh, uh, Chernovich jumped on me and uh, some other, uh, you know, famous uh, actor, so to speak. These are people I don't even care for. They decided all to chime in. Basically, uh, we're the laughing stock because we care for uh, the seriousness of this issue. And we want to see this thing basically gone yesterday. And so it's, I'm sorry that we don't find this funny. Uh, it's sick when a, a man who claims to be straight is saying he finds somebody who's considering themselves to be trans attractive. That is utterly uh, d- demonic in the sense that uh, you can find humor in, in in saying that you find that person attractive. I don't even think you he know? was joking, though. I, I, he may I, not even be joking. Yeah, go ahead. Was it? I didn't take it as a joke whatsoever, and I think that this is really a, the, the important point here to be made as well, is that there is a strain of disorder within the alleged conservative movement. Conservatives are okay with gay marriage. They're okay with LGBT. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, Trump put put homos into the White House, and he was the first one to put a homo into the cabinet. Now, um, I think there's something else to be said here, and I don't exactly know how qu- quite to say it, and I just jumped in. I'm sorry, James. I stepped on your toes. But, but I, th- this occurred to me one day, Pressing the black man. There we go again. You're going to lower our ESG score. Get to the get to the back of the line here, James, where you belong. Okay. <laughs> and um, look, you know uh, the white man is speaking. Um, the, the, but, but I'm a descendant of Sherman, so I, you know, we're, but I'm, I'm that's what I want. Now, um, the this actually ties into another thing that happened on Twitter that I don't even know how to say on YouTube in a polite way. So I'm going to be super circumspect about how i say this but there was a controversy on catholic twitter catholic twitter is a dumpster fire <laughs> it really is there's a there was a controversy on catholic twitter about the marital act when the wife is asleep okay and some people were defending this to the death imagine this i mean i don't know how this isn't rape but uh besides all of that we are now in a culture where if you can ingest hormones to grow sacks of flesh on your body and your intellect knows 
that those sacks of flesh hanging off of that body are on a man. If your intellect knows that, you are still nonetheless such a slave to your lower appetites, to your concupiscence, that you can find something attractive in that that uh, lab-grown bag of flesh hanging off of a man's chest. I mean, I, I can't even imagine how insane we have to be for a conservative pundit, so-called, uh, what, what, uh, to, to admire the bags of flesh that were grown and hanging. I mean, there's like tumors. There are tumors hanging off of the, of the chest of a man standing in front of the White House, the People's House. The White House is bedecked in a satanic rainbow flag. And most people think that it's either a joke or it's funny or it's understandable. And there few are we who can see this for what it is. This man is admiring cancerous tumors on a man's chest and is aroused by them. We have reached a point that Sodom and Gomorrah would have admired in terms of our debauchery. They would have thought, wow, they've really pushed the envelope past, well past anywhere we could have ever gone. I mean, that's all I had to say about it. I'm sorry. No, you're, no, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Go Take ahead. it, James. No, I, Mike, you're, you're absolutely right. And um, all, all the anger that was thrown at us uh, as though we are the enemy. As though we had, can you imagine this? A lot of anger, vitriol thrown at us because we don't have a supposed sense of humor that is basically diabolic. We cannot joke about this thing that is now attacking our children, you know? Mm -hmm. And we're so close to, to the situation. How far from the situation could you be that you would find something like this humorous? You know, we're not, it's not, we're not making fun of Dylan or the way Dylan looks. We're now saying, Dylan looks attractive and you know what Dylan Dylan is passable you know and who in the world would agree to that except someone who is morally depraved mm -hmm. and uh, that's exactly what we are people are admiring uh, fake flesh or fake uh, you know you know uh, appearance of flesh you know on underneath we know what that is silicone or whatever device of, of their uh, making people are basically slaved they're enslaved mm -hmm. to all of this there's something there's something though maybe and i don't know if, how i can f say this philosophically maybe father or ryan you could jump in but there's something about the 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 separation of the integral parts of a thing and just the our, our mm -hmm. modern obsession with admiring just a, a portion of the thing. It's sort of like in modern art where you just take a, a color from nature. It's divorced from the, from the, the, the natural, yeah. let's say what flower or plant from which yeah. it comes. What and is, you just take that color, yeah. you splash it on the canvas. Right. right? And now you call that art. And it's that's the same one of the thing. best points you could make, frankly, because that's really what it is. You look at um, what, what does a man, when a man sees a woman and says she is beautiful, it's the totality. And there's two aspects in which he sees it. He sees it in the physical. I mean, we're speaking of men, by the way. We're not speaking of women because it's entirely different for women. We see a woman 
in the totality of what she is and say, wow, that's beautiful. And then, you know, this individual bit here and there adds to the whole and it, it complements one on the physical and one on, on the, the, the personal, the spiritual, the psychological, whatever um, you want to put in there. Just the, if you want to deal with anthropologically or realistically, realistically, I'm going to say the spiritual. And the, the totality makes her beautiful. If you meet a woman and she looks uh, incredibly attractive to a man, but she's just an absolute witch with a capital B, that the, the totality is utterly diminished. It, it, now, the animal parts of us will still be attracted and still say, the, you know, that, hey, hey, you know, the, the, the little bit, alarm bits of the physiological level are still going off. Hey, that's a beautiful woman. But then the intellect's overriding and saying, yeah, but but who wants to be around that? Um, versus a woman who's truly beautiful. There's just an absolute attraction to that. Um, and, and so, but when you, we, just, like, just like modern art, you deconstruct, reconstruct, throw in this type of thing, this type of thing. Um, the, it, you know, a woman is not, the, is not a mere sum of her parts, and she's not the mere parts. She's the whole of what God made, body and soul unity. And so... It, you know, yeah. and, and this is like a, a mod, it, it really is the result of the pornified culture we've had, even if this particular conservative pun is not looking at porn, I certainly hope not. Um, you know, but it, but it's it's the way we've all been conditioned because the, the pornography, even if you're not looking at it, I mean, it, it governs the way most art is done, culture is done if you spend any time in it. Um, in the culture that is, you know, that that's what, you know, it drives the obsession toward this or that feature of a woman that is not wholesome. It's not normal. It's not natural to be obsessed in this particular way. And, and you look at other cultures that were frankly obsessed with sex, the Middle Ages, actually, if you get down into the source literature and the artwork and the things of the medieval period, we're not even at the Renaissance yet, where they're painting full nudes in realistic fashion. Um, the jokes, the ribolds, the graffiti, the, 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 the even manuscript, um, you know, as a sex, you know, fueled culture to a certain degree. And yet they don't take like an obsession over one part or another in this particular way. You know, it, it's, um, it's, it's kind of, you know, interesting. There's a more of a, the worst elements of medieval culture are not wholesome, but there's a way in which they approach it that looks at a totality, even there. Mm -hmm. um, and whereas in modern culture, it's like, look at this one thing and think of this one thing. So if you show most men like a picture of some fake, you know, feature of a woman in this way or that way, and they'll be aroused by it and be like, wait a minute, why are you being aroused by that? That's that you haven't seen the whole thing yet. You've only seen this one portion, but that's part of, I think the pornified culture we, we live in where that's going to happen. I don't know if anyone has to react to that because kind of a <laughs> uh, <laughs> weird subject, but yeah. yeah. Now there's two things too. Is I mean I think also within the only type of marriage, heterosexual marriage, um, the subtle medical acts have been normalized across the country, across the culture, right? Mm -hmm. And so then you have this this gay lobby over here trying to say, okay, well how can we convince people that it's not much different? And so all they do is play dress up, put on a wig, whatever else, and these uh, because I think Andrew Tate said something, he made a video about the same thing. He said, you know, he made his own video out of his own volition, you know, saying, L listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. What would you rather do? Would you rather, <laughs> would you rather do a number 10, but a tranny or a one, but a female? And he was legitimately arguing that everybody ought to choose the number 10 tranny. 
like literally right. promoting homosexuality yeah. and saying that it's actually more straight to choose a number 10 than it is to choose a number one. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bizarre. And this is like a six, he has 6 million followers on Twitter. He's supposedly one of the biggest influencers, um, you know, across the globe. And so this, this well, is what yeah. we come to come to. People are it, literally trying to right, turn right. straight men gay. James. Right. Because I was going to add something here. This is the same problem when people try to, to forget that part of the reason why we're in this hellhole is because we normalize sex without, you know, or the marital act without consequence. And so you take the marital act without consequence, you know, you can go and have relations with anybody that you want. And then, you know, sooner or later, you're asking for more and more. And the way to more and more is basically, and it says so in, uh, which book is it? Um, I keep, I always forget, I quote this so often, but I always forget what it is. Um, You know, that because because of the pride in your eyes uh, and in your way of life, you have not taken God for who he is but instead you've uh, worshipped creatures and because you have now turned into worshipping creatures, you're going to worship each other. Men will lie with men and women will lie with, with women. This is exactly where we are today. And the first time I saw that passage in the Bible, I was utterly astounded as an adult. Of course, you, see, you read things as a, as a child or as a young person you don't understand. But then when you start making connections, because the Bible itself will tell you, this is the reason why we are here. We've decided to uh, put forward uh, our lower passions and raise them up, you know? So now we're operating on that level. And once you do that, then everything is topsy turvy. And so, yes, you want to physically find somebody attractive. You want to see attractive features in somebody. doesn't matter whether it's fake or it's real. Your passions are going to swell up and you're going to say wood, you know? So that's, that's just, that's, that's where we are. I just, I just can't get over the fact, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I can't get over the fact that modern man is is sufficiently happy. Well, we know he's miserable, actually, but, but he believes that he's sufficiently happy by only having a portion of a thing and not having the whole thing. <laughs> right. You know? right. Um, the and definition it's, and it's of the like, whole thing is lacking. We're, we're all like this. I mean, everybody is sort of like this. In any facet of our modern life, you can look at like our diet, for example, I, I want the flavor, but I don't want the calories. Um, in, in our, you know, in our marital acts, I want the pleasure, but I don't want the responsibility of children. Um, and, and, and everyone just w- believes that life is Burger King. You can have it your way and um, you can just uh, tailor your own bespoke experience, even with how we consume media. You guys who are watching us right now are listening to us after the fact, or maybe who are watching us on Crusade Max or crusadechannel.com, you, you know, you're tailoring your own media experience however you would like it, and you're filtering out the things that you don't. And I think that there's something to be said for um, trying to appreciate a, 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 an entire thing. You know, it's like, well, it's, it's almost like taking a nature walker, go, going to Cabela's, you get to see all these stuffed animals you know, literal stuffed animals inside, but it's not the same thing as, as actually like experiencing a bobcat chasing you um, or a deer in nature um, or these, these highly, you know, curated nature walks where you get to walk down this path, but there's guardrails and there's steps built in and, you know, but you get to like get a portion of nature, but just like part of it, but not the real thing. All of us have little aspects of our lives in which we cling to a part of the thing and not the whole thing, but that's, most pronounced 
in the, with, with respect to the sixth and the ninth commandment. That's most pronounced. I mean, most guys that I know, even trads that I know, would look at two uh, um, sacks of flesh that are of the same size and of the same shape, and they could disaggregate in their minds what what, what the the biological gender of the being. Heck, even the uh, even the species of the being, perhaps. Um, and still find arousal in the part of the thing. And this is something that that prior to modern times would have been impossible to even mm-hmm. conceive. This is right. unconceivable. And, and we're in a place now where you can't even you, you can't even describe how far we have mm-hmm. fallen, I guess, from from true human nature. Maybe it's just me. I saw it and it's like, that's just gross. But I'm considering the totality of the thing. Not the not the one aspect of it, and uh, yeah, maybe that's the difference. Yeah, can we find can we find our true identity in parts apart from the whole? It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and somebody somebody in the in the private chat said, "Are you talking about the Latin Novus Ordo?" <laughs> I mean, that's a perfect example. Well, I just you know the, the important thing is the language. No, dummy. The important well, we'll thing is not that. the language. You didn't see the intro, but we'll revisit that. But in the meantime, um, speaking of parts, what about a Disney princess with a Johnson? Make super big wishes, I don't know. The, the girls seem to have an odd look at her face. All right, mom and dad, this is weird, but mom and dad said it's okay. And um, there's a... Yeah, there's obviously a certain level of the where there's there's a lack of, I mean everything is a, a lack of recognition of reality, and with Disney World in general, who goes to Disney World mostly? It's people that are in uh, my generation and the next generation that never really seem to grow up, and they go there single by themselves or or whatever, um, you know, to Disneyland and or Disney World in Florida, and. They, they, they go there to, uh, for whatever reason, they relive their childhood. I mean, there's more uh, so-called adults at Disney World now than there are kids. And then I see this and like, you know, here's a guy who literally thinks he's a Disney princess, wants to be a Disney princess. And um, part of me is like, have you ever actually accomplished anything in your life? And, and part of me is like, you know, did, did, did anybody did anybody ever spank you when you were a kid? Uh, and, I, and I mean, in, in a sense of like when you went too far and you had to be disciplined. Sense, um, it, rank mental illness is just just taking over. I mean, not, I, I kind of look at that that the, this guy at Disney World or Disneyland that was Anaheim, those in California. I look at that and I it's like this is almost endemic of the adults who go to Disney World by themselves, so called adults that want to relive the magic of uh, putting those Disney VHSs in and uh, don't actually do a whole lot. I don't, I don't know. Any thoughts? Father Martin, why don't you break in? 
Yeah, but people just not wanting to grow up these days. Um, lack of responsibility, la uh, wanting to pursue pleasure without any of the resp responsibilities. Um, at the same time, that's what the, our corporate America is selling people is, is not the real thing, the fake stuff. Um, the fake stuff that can do the real thing um, at a cheaper price. So, uh, I mean, there's some capitalism involved in this, obviously, because it's, it's a money-making scheme. But, yeah, there's, there's, there's people that don't want to grow up because they don't see the value in, in becoming a, a real adult. They prefer to stay single, do things in parts, as you know, sleep around, all that kind of stuff, enjoy one thing one night, enjoy something else um, another night. And that's exactly the way the, the porn industry works as well. I mean, you can select whatever you want to see, and that's it, move on. Um, and unfortunately, that even, even, even with uh, people with that addiction who, who are trying to look for marriage or whatever else, one of the things that subconsciously they struggle with is, is precisely that, is that they're trying to pick somebody, but they're used to this kind of, uh, right now I want this, but tomorrow I might want something else mentality. And they have no idea to actually commit to, any, to anything. Um, so even subconsciously, subconsciously, it's even affecting those that uh, aren't so indulged in, in the, uh, the throwaway culture, so to speak. So it's a real, it's a real spiritual and psychological pandemic that we're, that we're dealing with. And it's right in front of our faces now. They're not hiding anything. They're literally taking their tops off. They're showing us everything, guys. Um, and there's not much being done about it. I mean, of course, the bishops aren't speaking up. Um, <laughs> no, in fact, I don't have any video for this, but um, because we have the L.A. Dodgers and, and that whole uh, mess down there with the, the pride shows that they're doing. And you had uh, Catholics legitimately putting together protest movements. And yet uh, the Diocese of Los Angeles made a very public move, not a quiet one, a public one of saying, no, 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 we, we, don't, get, we don't support this at all. We don't support anything you guys are doing and, and just kind of pray, I guess. And uh, yeah, just kind of completely backed out, which I guess is kind of the pattern for bishops in the culture wars since, especially since COVID. Um you know, when you had the uh, St. George Floyd riots and you had uh, you take down all the statues and the bishops like, yeah, we're not going to come out and support you. That's your job. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we, we, we're not here. Um, we, cause we don't want the fight because bishops at the end of the day, they seem to like go to a special school where their spines are removed and all they want is adulation. Mm -hmm. When they don't get it, they want to kind of disappear. It's a requirement uh, for a consecration. Yes. <laughs> have your spine removed. Have your spider removed and go through some special uh, um, course in how to sound absolutely milk toast and never say anything useful. Hmm. But um, well, let's not forget Los Angeles is the place, the epicenter of, of part of the culture war in the United it States. Um, it is, it is, it's it's debatable and arguable, and honest men can disagree about which between the two California cities of San Francisco and Los Angeles is the greater evil and promotes the greatest evil around the world. Um, Los Angeles, or City of Diablo, um, is, was also you know, the, one of the first to lock down. They had the most stringent lockdowns. They had the most stringent COVID protocols. And even the Latin mass, the licit Latin mass priests in, the, in Los Angeles, instead of uh, spending any money to fight these, uh, the, the, the injustice of it all, just spent $65,000 building a giant tent so they could have outdoor masses and comply with Governor Newsom. I'll, I'll have you know that the SSPX sued Newsom and won, 
and kept their uh, parish open the entire time without any lockdowns and, uh, and any harassment from government thereafter. So it's a tale of two cities, I suppose. But let's, let's also not forget Los Angeles is um, Los Angeles is also the city where Bishop Robert Barron, when he was one of the underlying bishops there, uh, at the time that, uh, that, that Father Sarah's uh, statues were being decapitated and otherwise desecrated with red paint uh, and, and other profanities, he says, it's not my fault. Vatican II says, you, laity, sanctify the public square, not us. You, laity, go out and do your job, not us. We're just hanging out making YouTube videos while, while the world is locked down. And if you want to defend yourselves against St. George Floyd protesters, then you need to get out there and do it. So L.A. has a long history. Cardinal Mahoney. Oh, my goodness. Let's not even go there. Mahoney, no. <laughs> uh, you know, Mahoney is, 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 is like McCarrick, but just undiscovered. OK, mm-hmm. um, and, and I, I know guys that have been surveilling Mahoney and know which side of the bed he sleeps on and which side of the bed his faggot concubine sleeps on. So. Um, you, you know, the, the, the corruption in Los Angeles, Mahoney shows up. He's the, he's the shadow governor of the place. There's a reason why Gomez doesn't have a red hat because he's controlled by Mahoney. Okay. Um, everything about El Los Angeles is corrupt from Garcetti, the, the mayor all the way down. And nobody opposes any of it. Even the FSSP there opposes none of it. Uh, they go along with all of it. And so I'm not surprised that we have to import a Texan, a real man, uh, to show up to Dodger Stadium and lead a procession of reparation uh, against this blasphemy and this disgusting, uh, you know, uh, whatever. Good on the lay Catholics who are there, who are who are doing something about it as well. But to, but you know, to be honest, gentlemen, there's so much blasphemy, so much uh, disorder, so much happening in all corners of these United States. I'm still not quite sure why everyone is making a big deal about the Dodgers. They're not even a good team. They're not worth watching. <laughs> I don't understand why an irrelevant baseball team in a, in a city full of piss and, and homeless deadbeats uh, and spineless clerics is worth all the time and effort of everyone flying around the country taking gym selfies of themselves flying on airplanes with sweaty HIV uh sticky arms next to people i don't understand why it's worth all the investment of time and money in hoopla actually i do you know why it's the cult of sports the american cult of sports and i don't mean sports are evil they're not um or games of, of, of you know virtue and struggle and strength and trying to beat the other team at a defined set of rules no no there's absolutely nothing wrong with that it's the American cult of sports. It's it's having all these things. You, you, you're literal Pontius Sacrocensis. You're bread and circuses that everyone is, is set to watch. Don't pay attention to the politics in your hometown. Don't pay attention to who, you know, who's the first selectman, who's the mayor, who's the city council. Don't pay attention to that. Just, just watch your sports and, and be happy about something. And people will religiously tune in to who is ever carrying their sports to watch whatever, you know, um, as it was pop, I think, wonderfully satirized in the Lego movie. Um, you know, root for your, you know, follow the instructions, root for your favorite sports team. And everyone gets off the train and says, go sports team. Um, you know, if you're a sports ball, as it were, that you're not invested in it. They're like, there's a, a wide gulf between getting excited about your kid playing a sport and rooting for their team versus, um, 
you know, oh, we're going to go see the the, the Dodgers because we live in California or of course, I, I grew up in Connecticut and we were bereft of sports teams. So you know, you're either on eastern Connecticut and you go up to Boston and, and you watch the Red Sox or you drive you know, or you're on the western part of Connecticut and you drive to New York and watch the Yankees. And that's sports team. Yeah, we you create a culture around it. You wear their paraphernalia. You, you, you watch every game religiously, you listen to every game religiously. I did that until Red Sox won the World Series and broke the curse of Babe Ruth. And all of a sudden, it's like, all right, what's even the point of this anymore? That was the only reason I was invested because I'm a you know, Connecticut guy that rooted for the Red Sox. And that was like a, getting mocked my whole life. Yeah, what now? We broke this curse. And that's it. They're like, all right, what is there? And then further, you know, I quit football because I was tired of the degeneracy of the players and all their rap sheets for drug crimes and arms trafficking, whatever else that football players are doing. Why am I watching sports at all? Um, and, and then, you know, you get invited to people's Super Bowl parties, whatever, and I'm sitting there talking philosophy in some corner somewhere. <laughs> Everyone else is watching the, the glowy, you know, box and uh, the people playing sports ball. And, and and again, it's like there's nothing wrong if you enjoy a game, you want to watch a game. That's your legitimate utrapelia. Yeah, but, but, but I guess what I don't understand is like like every every sports team, every sports team, every sports team in the country is gay. But they're all gay, Ryan. I mean, the the we'll NFL is gay and the MLB we'll is gay. They've all gone gay. So like, why are we making a big deal out of you know you know this irrelevant well, we game? Be. That's the thing. We shouldn't be. But there's that default cult of sports that. People in my generation, your generation, and I think the one following us all grew up in where uh, the sports teams are like the biggest thing. So we got to fight it there, too. Um, and and this has become like this big last stand, like fighting Target and fighting whatever. Nobody mentions Walmart, of course, because we couldn't do without mm-hmm. Walmart. But Walmart's got their pride sections. Yeah. Yeah. I just can I just say something about sports in general, not sports here in, in these United States, the gay capital of the country of the world, but sport in general, I think is important. I think men should train their bodies. I think that we should be dangerous animal creatures who know how to use control violence to defend our families and our homelands, our families and our fatherlands. Right. So I, I don't I don't think I don't have a problem in principle with sports per se. Um, I, I I think that physical challenges, endurance, strength, flexibility. These are the, these are the three pillars, you know, of, uh, of, of athleticism. And I think men should generally be athletic in, in, in some degree. Now I, I'm against gym culture where you just go to the gym to useless, uselessly train your body for beach muscles. I'm for functional fitness, working on a farm, doing outside stuff does cultivate, um, um, strength fit and, and fitness and endurance and uh and flexibility as well as you know doing doing hard labor doing hard things fasting living the liturgical year reducing your calorie count on certain days um chastising our bodies according to the tenets of living a catholic faith and a catholic lifestyle i think all of those things do cultivate masculinity which we need a little more fortitude. Speaking of cardinal virtues, we need a little more fortitude in our culture. So I'm not opposed to sport in general, as in as in the competition of will and physical prowess between men. Um, however, I totally agree with you, Ryan, with respect to the the uh, what it what it has begun become is a a cult of worship of youth, youthfulness. Um, 
and physical beauty uh, as as well as really just a, a, a venue for uh, gambling and or for betting on, you know, like fantasy sport. Like what is fantasy sports? That's the gayest thing I've ever heard in, in my life. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if I can draw this distinction or if I'm doing a, a good job. Maybe you can cut to Janet, someone else and, and who can who can either refute or, or whatever. But somebody says Father Burfitt SSPX1 in California. He sure did. I saw him at the Immaculata opening uh, in St. Mary's, Kansas, and he was grinning from ear to ear. And he looked at me. He said, hey, Mike, that was a great time. I was on your show. Thanks for doing that. All right. No, I mean, that's. Yeah, it's completely right. And like what, and I, I think I prefaced it the same way. There's nothing wrong with sports. There's nothing wrong with challenges of strength within defined set of rules to overcome this or that thing, especially working against your skill set. I mean, you think of something like football, which in this country we call soccer, um, where you can't use your hands unless you're the goalie. You know, there, there's a lot of skill that goes into that, and a lot of rough stuff. Rugby. Rugby is a man's sport. Good grief. I mean, it's smashing each other with no pads. I, I got... Any rugby player that makes it to 50s without a major concussion, good grief. <laughs> I major points to you. Uh, I'd be getting my butt kicked 10 ways to Tuesday. But that, that's, that's not what we're talking too. about when we mock the cult of sports, obviously. Um, James, sports in Africa, I'm sure. Uh-oh. I think he's, James I think he's frozen. frozen. We got to, you know what we got to do next? We we need to give some go Sorry, to James Starlink. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Uh, Father wanted to say something uh, early on. I wanted him to finish his comment. Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say about this whole uh, the rally in L.A. that it's really just a a one and done kind of kind of deal, a one hit wonder, in the sense that there's no real leader to whatever movement this belongs to. Strickland's not a leader he's just uh the man with the purple zucchetto showing up but he's not leading this thing he's just showing up to give some sort of credibility to have one, at least one bishop there but if you, I, I saw on twitter a couple of the people that were speaking at this at this event and there were all the typical journalist podcasters it really just seemed like one major grift for all the people that wanted that need to be seen publicly doing something an event for them all to show up and speak in other words, this was just a, an opportunity for activists. And of course, as Catholics, we're supposed to be both contemplative and active, but there's an activism, which is when there's there's so much doing, doing, doing just, just for the sake of doing without any real goal in mind, uh, without being um, backed by prayer or inspired by prayer, motivated by prayer, any, any, any sort of thing. So this, is, this seems kind of like an isolated event, a really isolated event, because there's nothing that's going to be connected to it following it. Um, there's a new ca uh, organization out there, Catholics for Catholics, that seem to be uh, promoting this thing. It's like another one, really, another one. More, more podcast videos, uh, more uh, political commentaries, more. Uh, you know, wh where does this all end? What is this all for? You know, at least wh wh whether you like Martin Luther King Jr. or not, there was a movement there, and in, in one sense, it's a good example of how a movement should be done. There's a leader. Um, there isn't just one isolated event, but there's several things, and there's a there's a definite goal. Towards, towards the very end. Um, I guess there's other, other movements throughout history that one can point to, but especially in this one, there's, there's no leader. There's just a bunch of journalists, self-elected journalist podcasters who have really no strong formation in, re 
reestablishing Catholic culture who actually really don't even want a Christian done. They just probably think the United States is a, a is crypto Catholic. Um, they don't want to see the reservation of the traditional Latin mass. They, they prefer Reverend Novus Ordo, or they just want the traditional Latin mass on a Sunday and don't go to mass during the week or something like that. They don't care about religious communities. They don't care about um, priests or anything like that. They just want, want for sure they're just their parish so that whenever they have a sacrament for one of the children, they can have access to it. Um, kind of like the way they, you know, want to live close to a Walmart in case they need something, they just go pick it up. They just want the convenience of it all. And so that's that's one of the things that, I mean, sure, blasphemy needs to be opposed. Absolutely. Um, but I just see it as a as a as something that a lot of opportunists are taking advantage of. So it's not about our Lord, it's about them. Right. And, uh, yeah, there's always something hiding uh, underneath the appearance. Can I get you a drink, Mr. Powell? Sure. Austin, we've got to look for Dr. Evil. Wait. I've got an idea. Austin, why on earth did you hit that woman? Right, let me show you, baby. That ain't no woman. It's a man, man. So, men <laughs> masquerading as women, women masquerading as men. Uh, all the sports teams support it. And actually, I did want to kind of draw it back. There is a, a point that that certain man pretending to be a woman with his fake silicon that uh, decided to flash the silicon around. Um, they got all the various conservative activists all aroused and whatnot. But um, he made the point in his little reaction video that we played that, oh, well, by, by being upset about this, you're just affirming that I really am a woman. And there's a part that, you know, I think we kind of covered that, but there's another part that we didn't, are, you know, if, if he's going on about that sort of thing, that hey you're mad about this obviously it means it's real i don't know it seems to me like a you know just would just get it more pandering more hey look at this you know i can do this and you're mad about it just like you'd be mad if a woman did it so therefore i'm a woman um or rather no we're just mad that you're just purely degenerate i don't know i want to pick up on the degeneracy or <laughs> or we need well, a camera <laughs> Don't have camels around, I guess. <laughs> well, well, in, in in reality, what what we're really opposing is the degeneracy of the whole thing, the mocking of uh, womanhood, we, and we don't want to stand for that. We don't want to stand for mocking God's creation, woman. We don't want to stand for mocking the marital act with homosexuality. So we're not validating anything uh, of that sort in, in this uh, degenerate per, uh, person being hailed as a woman because we are call, calling him out for uh, promoting something that is the opposite of what it is and presenting it as though it were what uh would could be defined as a woman and uh it's just another loss you know these people don't understand the reality of uh the, you know we don't understand the fight that we're in that they, i mean they, they're making up their own terms making up their <laughs> making them they're making up terms that don't even really make any sense and so we have to straighten them out on on all levels you know so any act of conservatives or social conservatives or what what have you 
uh, sort of leaning into what this person is doing or the way he's acting or, or applauding it by their silence. I mean, it just, it's just tacit uh, approval for something that uh, they're ashamed. I mean, uh, point, point in case, or case in point rather, uh, Chernovich did not like the post, did not retweet the post, but then a day later when Jesse had, or what was that Jesse, when he had basically make, made a point of uh, mocking me, calling me names or whatever, then Chernovich chimed in. Uh, look, why are you chiming in? You saw this whole thing. You didn't, you, you're tacitly approving it because you didn't call it out. And you're pretending as though you're now part of this, you know, you're in on the uh, cool, you know, the, the, you know, we can mock or we can laugh at this whole thing. Why are you laughing at something that is considered to be an attack on society or pretending to laugh? At it? The whole thing is just messed up. So people are right. just at a loss as to, how to act or how to believe they're waiting for leaders to step in and to tell them wh where to go. So either they're going for uh, keeping up the attack on the, the onslaught on the, this movement, or they're going, you know what? Uh, I'm sick and tired of these uh, virtue signals, which is what they're calling us taking, you know, calling the shots. So I'm going to now start, start promoting this degeneracy. I mean, people are so warped. Yeah. Their minds are so warped. They're confused. They don't know where they're headed and they need, they need guidance. They need people like you out there responding to their tweets and not letting them get away with it so they can understand this is not a point where we can depart. We have to stay focused. We have to keep fighting. And we have to take that. Uh, I don't want to use something of a censorous, but we have to basically take a battering ram and just knock down this whole thing. Mike, Father Jimmy Martin, FJ does not agree with James. Marching here in Capitol Pride in Washington, D.C. is absolutely amazing. So much good energy, so much celebration of identity, where we all intersect here within our LGBTQIA plus identity. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, that was supposed to be a video if Father Martin shows up, if not, not our wait, Father Martin. That, Father that, that, that wasn't Martin. Father Martin? That wasn't Father James Martin? No, no, did you, did you see the flag? You'd you be confused, but um, did no, you see you, the flag? The little uh, did, triangles actually. on the. <laughs> well, I mean, that nation yeah. that that symbol represents uh, is one of the top uh, LGBT what Promoters. friendly nations. Yeah. But oh yeah. darn it! it uh, I, I, that was that like the one of two videos in this thing I didn't preview first. Um, Martin shows up in that video with that guy, and that's how it was built when I downloaded it. But it wasn't the full video for whatever reason. All right, but uh, Father Jimmy Martin Day was present at uh, various pride parades, including the one in D.C., and uh, he does not agree with James. He thinks this is all uh, you know, a great way for people to express themselves. Well, I think yeah. James Martin came out on Twitter today because he referred to LGBTQRS people, and then he said, we. So he said the word, the, the, the first person plural pronoun we in referring to lgbtqrs people as if it was ever in doubt as if it was in doubt and and yet uh just the other day he was um he was showcasing the love note that he received from bergoglio <laughs> uh which uh in in full admiration bergoglio is absolutely in full support of what james martin the faggot priest uh, is promoting um, 
if there's any question whether or not there is a difference between the old religion and the new religion, uh, I, I believe that that golf will continue to um, to grow, and that the 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 line will between the two will become brighter and brighter, and that eventually um, it will become obvious that uh, that one is false and and one is true. At the same time, what I don't want to do is fall into the trap that many of my compatriots who are longtime tra traditionalists fall into um, because there's a risk of burning out. There's a risk of uh, succumbing to pride. There's a risk of being blinded by being in the movement for so long. And I've seen this. People who say, you know, things, things so uh, asinine, like, why are you, why do you go to the Nova Sordo? You know, we need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that although our little parishes are packed, we're, we're, we have a few little parishes relative to everyone else in the world. And we're like 2% of the Catholics around the world. Many Catholics around the world don't know that we exist. And I know that that's hard to, to um, come to believe. And that's hard to accept because once you see it, you can't unsee it. You know, it's like when truth pierces your heart, it's a thing that can't be undone. It's a pain that can't be unfelt. And so um, for, for those of us who have been doing this for a while, and I don't think I've been doing it that long, you know, you know, 10 plus years, maybe 12 years, Trad, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that I know everything. I don't know everything. I'm learning more and more every day, but I simply cannot imagine being in the Novus Ordo, but I don't think it's good that any of us forget what it's like in the Novus Ordo. Remember what it was like when you would try to choose the communion line with the priest because you wanted to avoid the Karen who's going to give you communion on your hand, right? Remember what it's like to try to sit in a pew not surrounded by people so that during the Our Father, you don't have to hold anybody's hand. I mean, we have to, re we need to remember these, these, these PTSD memories that we ha all have every now and then mm -hmm. and, and sympathize with the fact that at the time that any of you who did any of those things were doing those things, you didn't necessarily know any better. Now we do, and we're held to a higher standard. Um, but, but this, uh, so I, and, and I want to throw out a new, a topic that's sort of related to this in terms of, bringing people to the mass. So many people do not even know that the traditional Latin mass exists. Once you see it, your, your heart is turned by it because a man's head is turned by beauty before anything else. Beauty is, is an antecedent, I think, to truth and goodness. Um, that's why a woman turns a man's head before he, before she turns his heart. Um, but, but this discussion cannot be had without the most current event, the most breaking news that happened an hour ago, where Mass of the Ages capitulated to the mob. And they said, we're going to cut Father James Jackson out of uh, episode one and two of Mass of the Ages. We're going to pull down Mass of the Ages episode one off the internet. I mean, should uh, my my question is, you know, first of all, should we start a movement where we ask Netflix to edit Kevin Spacey out of house of cards 
because Kevin Spacey is a rapist. Proven, right? Mm-hmm. So we we have Although to have him out of house of cards before they can testify against him. But uh, yeah, right. A remarkable it's, pattern. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. And that yeah it happened with uh, Bar- Barisma and all that stuff too, uh, like yesterday. But so so the question is, you know, can you create a coherent story? Uh, do, do we really want to have a precedent where we start whitewashing our own history, where we start taking people? Because to me, that sounds like toppling statues, renaming streets, renaming sports teams. It's exactly the same communist tactics that the left uses to unmoor people from their roots. I'm, so uh, communists to, to change our yeah. street games. Then, then fine. Well, let's 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 just go ahead and 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 cancel everyone who's ever sinned in the history of of the world, and right. then we will be left with, I guess, I don't know, the gospels. There's certain things though that I don't know. I come down a little bit differently on this one than you do. Only, and like in my heart, I still hold out hope that Father Jackson's really innocent. He's just doing some plea because it's some legal thing. His lawyers convinced him this will be better for you, and he's like, "All right, fine. I'm tired of this." And maybe that's the case. I sure hope it's the case. I sure hope he didn't really do it. But the fact of it that we've got, um, you know, on the outside is that he's pled guilty to looking at horrific things. It is different than. Um, a guy committed a natural act and looked at a woman once and, uh, you know, and something of that sort, given that he's pleading guilty to reception, which legally includes the intent to obtain, um, you know, now that I've looked up the statute since last week. Um, and I look at it, it, it's, I mean, yeah, you can come down on it. Hold on. It's guilt by association. Everything he's saying is still true. And yeah, that is the case, but there, there is a little level of gravity to it where you're just like, well, I mean, you look at the early church where you have Origen, and Origen was a martyr. He was a true martyr. He was martyred for the Catholic faith. He gave up his life for Jesus Christ. And the church chose, even though it was like a basic thing, you're martyred, you go to heaven, you're in heaven, period. And the church chose to not put him on, you know, observe his feast day or number him among the saints, even though it was certain he went to heaven because of the very compliment, uh, uh, problematic, difficult things he had said in terms of scripture and things that, that seemed to go to heresy, things he said that were heretical that he rejected later in life, but early on, he still had a lot of followers promoting those things. And the church said, yeah, we're not going to put him uh, on the calendar of saints. Um, even though uh, he was a true martyr, right? And so there is a level of like scandal that we're, we're just in the, in the public imagination, even though if we were purely logical beings with no emotion, we would all immediately be able to say, well, everything he's saying is right, even though he's confessed to doing these things that are bad. And we, we, would, you know, we would obviously reject the latter and embrace the former, but we're not purely logical beings. We're, all, we're also physiological. We're also emotional. We're also things that we see the horrific things that he's pled to. And again, like I said, I still hope. I still hope in the depth of my heart. From well, the but, but here's, that here's, here's a caveat. Yeah, so, so, so here's a caveat. How would we respond to that in comparison to someone like uh, St. Augustine, uh, for instance? Right. Well, that's there, a good question. And, and so, but even there... 
there's a natural element to, okay, he fell with a woman when he was in a non-Catholic sect and then, and even confesses that he did not do right by her. And, and, and part of his reason for bearing this out is showing what a great sinner he is. And so no one should pay attention to him too much, but only the truth behind him. But at the same time, there's something natural about what he did that men who have fallen can, can approximate say then, versus yeah. the, I mean, when I say so natural, I mean, in terms of it was a woman versus, yeah, right, um, right. you know, would, would we the, the, say, alleged, would the, we... the allegations from the state that there were all these thousands of pictures of uh, yeah, okay, young so, children but, and bestiality and all kinds of things that, again, if, 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 if the unnaturalness of it is 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 de- changes the character of it, then I think we cannot have the gravity of it. Let's do it this way. It changes the we, we can't have. OK, fine. But we can't have this discussion without actually naming the characters here because right. well, we know the mob are. the mob who was trying to cancel Cameron O'Hearn and break the back of Mass of the Ages, which I'm not even particularly that fond of. Anyway, <laughs> but, the, but the primary pressure was coming from Church Militant and the founder of Church right. Militant spent 40 years committing sins that literally are named as crying out to heaven right. for vengeance. Okay. And there's no argument for me on that side of it. That but my point no, is, we shouldn't is that, be paying attention to him on that either. But 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 the person who is asking to cancel or to to to, to take the unprecedented in in the history of the world step of re-editing a film to eliminate one of the main characters of the film because we don't like that guy anymore in real life, right? Uh, to take that unprecedented step, right. the main person calling for that is a guy who spent 40 years mixing blood feces and semen together so i you know to me the whole thing is a farce and i just say we shut it all down and wait for the asteroid but since that's not really a thing i think we have to look at the principle of the thing and the principle of the thing is that if we capitulate to the cancel crowd to the mob in any way if we if we capitulate to them we lose it's the domino effect it's the same thing as in vietnam communists want us to allow them to control our language, how we name things, how we remember things, to erase people from our memories. This is absolute godless communism masquerading as Catholic piety, and it has to, it has to be stopped. I don't care what anybody's opinion is about whether or not they think Father Jackson is or is not a pervert, okay? That's irrelevant, to, in my opinion, as to whether or not uh, a, a a movie gets edited and for Nazi Saigon Karen Niles to come out and say, well, I'm a video editor. No, you're not. You're not a video editor. You lying. Which no, about it. Okay. I have they, worked they've got with, a team for that. I have worked with the editors guild of the, of, of America. Okay. I have literally worked with highly paid editors. I have worked with the editor who edited the passion of the Christ. You're not an editor. Nazi Niles. I have worked with the editor of The Passion of the Christ. Okay? That's an editor. And he's a man's man, by the way, and he's no fan of church militant. You you cannot just delete Father Jackson from this video from Mass of the Ages. And here I am defending Moda. And I'm not even a Moda guy. I think half of them are cucks. But you cannot t- open up the can and take out Jackson out of Moda 1 and Moda 2 and have the same storyline. Nazi Niles, you psychopath witch. Right. So 
if we capitulate to the cancel crowd, I don't care if they're posing as Catholics or if they're out and out Bolsheviks, we cannot capitulate to them. And in this regard, you know what? Skater bro, skater bro who, who skated a hundred grand off of people after his fake firing. He's right. He is absolutely right about this. I must have missed that uh, that whole thing with uh, Gordon. It was in one of their articles. Oh, okay. Yeah, they 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 quoted him just like they they quoted uh, Census Fidelium and everything else. All all their friends they kind of turned on them too, which is the thing. Right. You can you can help Church Militant, you know, vouch for them, simp for them all you want, but eventually they they don't they don't care if you if you have a tweet that works in their favor. They're going to uh, use it against you. And, and, and by the way, and, and somebody in the comment section, it just inspired me. If we can edit J- Jim Jackson out of Moda 2, all right, then let's edit Vatican 2 out of Catholicism. <laughs> can we use Gestapo tactics that. against these people? Can we use the tactics of the left? Can we line item veto Vatican 2 gone? I mean, that's, that's, that's the question, right? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, because I mean, it's no small feat. I mean, even though you, you total up the amount of time that Jackson's in the film, and it, it is something like four to five minutes, but you total up what that represents in terms of the presentation of the film. Well, that's a whole different thing. That is the artistic presentation of the film. That, I mean, just, just in a stupid intro like we had tonight, and where I chose to put whatever when I edited that. I mean, that's a minor endeavor of amateur proportions compared to what's going on with Mass of the Ages, compared to what goes on in an actual film for people who are professional editors and know what they're doing, whereas I would not. Um, but like if you take one thing or you get one thing that's not working, it's like, OK, wait, that kind of throws off the whole gist of what I was trying to get at. If we have to take this one thing out in a little five minute clip with a cat and trying to do pottery and all these things like in our intro, which you missed, but you should go back and rewatch because it was fun. Um but, it, you know, if I had to take that out, it's like, all right, I mean, I'm not the cat. But, I mean, like, if I had to take out the dancing guy because of, say, if there's some copyright issue or something. Well, that would totally <laughs> change the nature of that intro to the point where, all right, I got to abandon this entire thing and do something different. And so it, it, the same thing if you've got Mass of the Ages where you have someone like Father Jackson that whatever he's accused of now, whatever he's pled to now, um, between his book and his experience and, and his, his research, what he was able to supply to that and how that fit into the artistic framework of what they're trying to present. Now you want to remove that. Well, those five minutes that he's in it actually represent a, a major core element of what they're doing. And, and so it's not just, uh, okay, we're going to take this out and put it as is. You can't do that. Um, I still, but I, you know, part of it is maybe it's I'm too... Maybe it's because I went through public school and I understand how people see things without reason. And like, and I see that point that you're making and I agree with it in principle, but I also see like, if I was running mass of the ages, I would feel put to it. Be like, well, uh, do I want to have a movie with a guy that people now consider to be a pedophile rightly or wrongly um, over, over the, the, his guilty plea? Do I want to be associated with that? You know, that, that association argument is very strong. And it's not even just a question of the mere artistic value. It's also the question of your marketability. And um, who knows, their investors might be saying, hey, yeah, you got to do this. And maybe that came purely from church militant. Maybe it came from a multiplicity of people, including church militant. And 
I've heard yeah, I've heard well, it's more of a multi- let's but, let's suppose let's suppose that the that the primary producers the executive producers are the people who put the money in right let's say the ex- the EPs all got together and they said hey Cameron we're going to give you fifty thousand dollars to recut the film let's take Jackson out why don't you go to Gower Missouri you know do a bit on Sister Wilhelmina cut that in let's change the story again. Here, heck, you know what? Here's a hundred thousand dollars. Let's fix this. Whatever, that's one thing. But Cameron came out and said, "I'm not changing it." Right. The film is in the can. It is what it is. We made the decision we made with the with the information we had at the time. He was only accused. You know, we we kept him in. We thought he was innocent. We were wrong. It is what it is. You don't and open that up. That's not a bad argument. Film after the fact. Now, right. if now if the investors came and did that, then that's fine. But for Cameron to fold like a house of cards and then come out with this with this pathetic little video and say, "Well, after much prayer and discernment, you didn't have prayer and discernment. Your phone was blowing up, dude. Hmm. Come on, uh, just 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 be honest about it. You, the 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 kitchen got too hot for you, and you know you've been you've been in the Latin mass for fifteen minutes, and you and you don't have the stomach for the fight." Okay, just admit it. All right. And that's fine. Just just be honest about it. Now, um, if 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 that were the case, if the investors and the EPs all said, hey, let's pay for it. That's one thing. But to to, but to boldly proclaim that you're not going to change it and then flip flop 24 hours later. That's not prayer and discernment. That is Michael Voris called me and he scared me. And I'm afraid he's going to do to me what he did to Mike Parrott at restoring the faith. And I can't withstand that because I'm not. My parent. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, I've always taken the opinion that Mass of the Ages can do whatever they, you know, it wants. My problem with them would lie in whether or not they received any kind of outside pressure, especially from those news, new so-called news groups that we have problems with and uh, who are not really friends of tradition. If they wanted to do right by their own standards of operation, absolutely. That's totally different. But if they wanted to capitulate to pressure, just because it, the pressure cooker was getting too hot from the outside, then that is not a, a legitimate uh, way to go about, you know, running running their business and making this this film. So I'm I'm concerned only because I don't know exactly which way, you know, they're leaning and you know are they moving whichever way the wind blows. It's not it's 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 concerning. They need to have principles and they need to st- need to stand by those principles. And um, you know, uh, it's just uh, confusing. And, and, and the whole reason I brought them up, by the way, j- just in the context of our discussion, the whole reason I brought them up was because Moda was the ones who came out earlier this year and said that all these mean tra- we need to rebrand. We need to rebrand the Latin mass. We need to rebrand how we how we approach the Novus Ordo. We need to rebrand how we recruit people. And we did a make- whole show on that. Make convert, yeah, exactly. We did. We talked about it. The rebrand thing was so stupid. Now, just because Church Militant tells Moda they need to rebrand, they comply. They're like, "Oh yeah, you're right. We do need to rebrand. We need to recut the film in order to rebrand, in order to be acceptable by Michael Voris, the sodomite." Like, I none of this makes any sense to me. And again, this this no. makes as much sense as a grown man admiring the flesh plot of of tumors hanging off of a dude's chest. It, it's literally it's to me it's almost the same level of confusion and insanity. The the, the idea that a guy who wears diapers and has HIV is going to tell you what to do, and so the re, now there's a rebrand of the rebranders. The rebranders are getting rebranded 
by the guy who got branded in his bum. Okay, so I mean, like you know, we get to the point where it's, right. it's layers of absurdity, and I don't even know what to say. So I, I have not talked to Cameron at all, but I would be willing to bet that he, it was more than Voris that that he was getting a lot of pressure, and that that Voris is just one element of it. You know, the obvious one because he makes himself out there with all the bravado and, and, and through Niles and everyone, but. I would be willing to put money down that he it wasn't just that that he was getting a lot of things from a lot of people. But guess what? Uh, yeah, here's a, here's the problem. Not to that. say that that's necessarily the right sure. way to go if right. you boldly declared yeah, you sure. won't change but here, here, But here's the problem with that is when when he was coming out, I haven't listened to it. I've only seen uh, you know stills stills of it. But if he's coming out and saying, "Well, we're doing a rebranding right now because of pressure we re- we received from certain people." Uh, guess who's going to be taking a victory lap tomorrow? Church militant. Mm-hmm. True. You know, they're going to be taking a victory lap. You know, so he's got to say what he needs to say. He's got to say it, and he's got to say it with conviction and with, uh, you know, the, the right tone so that we know exactly where the pressure came from and so that other people are not running around right. claiming uh, a victory where there's not. Journalism is a lot like pop music. <laughs> it's a lot like pop music. It's not about well, creating something that's lasting or that has a strong foundation where you can create like a, a genre of music or it's like or that lasts several centuries like Mozart or Beethoven or anything I like. It's about the one hit wonder. It's about putting out something on the radio so it rises to the top of the charts. And then next week you put out a new single, a new hit. So it rises to the top of the charts and it's about making money. This is all what it's all about the shock value, the shock value, the shock value. And, and so a lot of people are afraid of that controversy. They're afraid of the controversy because they're afraid of you know, it'll diminish their support from benefactors to produce new films and all that kind of stuff because they have the power of just printing something and then just leaving it on the internet to where people could just Google your name if you want the background. They see Church Militant. Um, so in one Quasi sense... Dittere, uh, journalism, although a new profession, is very much like the oldest profession. Yeah. But I'm boom. And uh, they had their drill sergeant come after them. so used to being comfortable and being complacent with your fucking life and your family. That you're not willing. That's why you're here. We know why you're here, because we did the same fucking thing. We just need you to be better. The only way you're going to be better is if you fucking suffer. Sorry about the F-bombs. I forgot to edit that. But um, did you have drill sergeants like that, uh, Major Parrot? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't remember seeing any skateboards, let alone a a motorized skateboard at Officer Candidate School in Quantico, Virginia. Uh, right next door to the FBI training academy. No, I, which we we actually use some of those facilities for mount training, mer- uh, military operations in an urban terrain. Um, no, mine were more professional. They were saltier. They were older. They were combat veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan, from OIF one, um, and they they were not uh, they were not riding around on mopeds or anything like that. You know, <laughs> uh, 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 shouting f bombs at us i think i maybe was the last one to ever touch the old uh military the old marine corps 
you know, when I came in, I'll just tell you a quick story just on etiquette and, 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 you know, a, a bygone era. When I came in, all the brand new officers who had wives, which we were kind of a minority because, you know, most of the brand new officers don't have wives, but, you know, you start young in Texas, which we did and uh, with our family and um, the wives were required to attend an, an etiquette school and the etiquette school was run by the colonel's wife, the colonel who was the commanding officer of officer candidate school in Quantico, Virginia. And at this sort of finishing school that all the women went to, and it was presumed that they were all women who would attend because this was officers' wives, right? Um, at this school, the women learned things like, hey, you know, we used to wear gloves at the, at the commissary, and that's, that's no, no longer a thing. But you certainly cannot wear athleisure to the commissary. You can't go there after going to the gym. Women should wear a skirt or a dress. Men have to wear – men – when I, when I was commissioned as a lieutenant, we're not allowed, officers were not allowed to wear denim, jeans, disallowed. Um, and, and anywhere, at any point, ever. Uh, and certainly not on base. Um, nowadays, you, have shorts. You, know, you know, cut to 2023 and little Dick Devine, uh, Levine is, is, uh, is usurping the fourth star um, never served a day in his life from his bar mitzvah forward and is leading a pride parade in Washington, D.C., little Dick Levine is. And, you know, and, and, and mid-grade military officers with sterling service records, for example, like mine, uh, would be required under, uh, under the regulations to salute little Dick Levine and refer to him as a ma'am. And if you refuse to do that, you have committed a crime according to the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So we've gone from a place where the wives of the brand new lieutenants, just not, not even a generation ago, not even 20 years ago, were taught how, they, how to comport themselves while grocery shopping on the base to now uh, anything goes... And if you have a problem with anything goes, then you go just like I had to go. And uh, you can fly your flag wherever you want to, whatever flag you want. There's, there's been some criticism also of um, the White House, the flag placement, the pride flag violating the U.S. flag code. Did anybody notice that or, or fail to notice that or was it a, an intentional statement? Just explain what happened. With that. So the administration was proud again uh, to display uh, the pride uh, flag. Uh, it was a historic event at the White House. Uh, it's centered around the love uh, around love and family, and I think that's important. And uh, so, you know, we're not going to, to let anyone distract us from that. What was the meaning of the day? What was a, the meaning of having families here and to celebrate a community? I'm certainly not going to get into protocols from here, or uh, I'll leave that to others. And so, uh, you know, we're proud of this historic event that we were able uh, to put together uh, here on the South Lawn for our families. And... Uh, we're proud. We're so proud that if I hung a Habsburg flag over the American flag to celebrate my wife's, my late wife's Austrian heritage, and somebody saw it and had the, the, the desire to prosecute it, I could go to jail for misdemeanor. You as a military serviceman could go to jail as a misdemeanor. 
for you know flying the flag in a way that was untoward according to the flag code. Uh, the flag is supposed to be treated according to the U.S. flag code almost as if a living thing, like a sacramental, you know, <laughs> really. And but uh, hey, it's okay. We're proud, and so that's just fine. And I'm not even a big flag guy. I, one of those things that just disgusts me is seeing the American flag cheapened and put on underwear and put on socks and put on hats and put on all these things when, you know, it, 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 as the symbol of our nation, it should be given a certain degree of respect and dignity and not commercialized to the extent that it is. But um, anyway, uh, you know, more thoughts on that. The pride flag hangs high at the White House, but not the American flag. I think is entirely <laughs> befitting of the USSA. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I refer to the United States as the USSA for multiple reasons, but U SSA standing for same sex attraction. I mean, it's, it's a multifaceted, uh, it's a multifaceted thing. It's a, you know, the, the, the USSA uh, that we live in. Our primary export of course is pornography, especially disordered pornography. We are the purveyors of poop in the United States of America, the USSA. <laughs> Uh, we are fecal fanatics in, uh, in, in America, in the USSA. This is, this is, this is our culture. Our, our culture is literally founded on feces and the, and the people who claim to oppose it, they themselves have been purveyors of poop for most of their lives. And, um, it's, it's, it's connoisseurs of, uh, of, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to keep the alliteration going here, gentlemen. I don't know. Connoisseurs of Okay. Consonants actually, but uh, go on. Connoisseurs <laughs> of consonants, connoisseurs of caca. I don't know. Um, so, you know, you get, you get to the point where, uh, where, where ladies and gentlemen, I send the sweet meteor of death, the smod. I, I, it's, we're, we're past right. the point of no return where, you know, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're Kaka, yeah. I, I. Let me say it this way: the United States of America has one religion, and that religion is poop. <laughs> well, and and to the extent you don't worship poop as a as at least a sacramental, if not a sacrament, you will be pursued. You will be pursued by the poop brigade. In the United States of America, that's the country we live in. And don't think, ladies and gentlemen, that DJT as the 47th president, nor as Ron DeSantis as the 47th president, will save you from the poop brigade because both of those men support the poop patrol just in slow motion. So the poop patrol is coming after you. Here's uh, a question, viewers. Yeah, Michael, I want to piggyback on what you're saying. Here's a question for you. Why would Ron DeSantis send diapers to two homosexual summit? <laughs> yeah, to some. Yeah. Okay. Diapers, baby diapers. I'm going to try not to get censored here. Oh, boy. Baby diapers to two homosexual men. Why would DeSantis do that? People are forgetting that. He doesn't have to actually say anything. We're looking at his actions as well. Antonio. So his actions are he's giving diapers to Dave Rubin, one homosexual, to, and to Dave Rubin's homosexual partner to celebrate their 
surrogate adoption or whatever you want to call it. They bought a kid. This is Rwanda. That's what they did. Yeah, they, they bought a kid. Just a human being. Human trafficking is legal in the USSA as long as faggots do it. When faggots buy children, it's perfectly legal in the United States of America, in the USSA. It's, it's such a funny juxtaposition because it's the left that is a, a, a what is they they protest dressed up like the handmaid's tale and all this business, right? But then the left is the real handmaid's tale. They want to buy women's wombs to to cultivate a baby for them. And this whole surrogate thing that they want going. It's like, wait a minute. Isn't that literally the thing that that's the story behind right. the Handmaid's Tale? Right. Um, yeah, if you yeah. want to run away, if you want to go up the reservation, guess what happens? They kidnap you. They torture you. They mm -hmm. tell you you can't leave. Right. <laughs> literally, like the human body exists and subsists, subsists upon the providence of God. Okay. All food comes from the earth. It comes from providence of God. If not, you know, the, the, the plants and, and um, uh, plant matter that we eat either in fruit or vegetable form or the plant matter that we eat in animal form because the animals ultimately eat those, that plant matter. The, the, the abundance of, of God goes into our bodies. And then the waste that we shh out of our bodies is what the Satanists worship and are obsessed with. It's an inver sure. I mean, it's it's an inversion Inverted. that is Inverted. so disgusting. You know, it, it's a dis you despise not only your nature and biology and anthropology and all the other ologies, but you despise the providence of God, which sustains your very life. It's like you're worshiping death, the waste, the fecal matter. That's that's death. That's decay, disorder. Chaos, destruction, disease, corruption. That's what you're worshiping. And uh, these purveyors of poop are flying their flags at the same level as the USSA. I predict that it will be, it will surpass the flag of the USSA. That the, that the same sex attracted, the USSA, will be subservient and is already is subservient to the purveyors of poop. And the greatest irony is that the loudest, most obnoxious, sweating HIV virus in his, out of his pores, in the, in the Catholic Church anyway, the loudest voice is himself a purveyor of poop. I just can't get over the irony of it. Sometimes you have to steal it for dinner. I gotta get the money first. I know. Let me see. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I gotta get the money first. Okay. Two pet pizzas. As Commander-in-Chief, I was proud to have ended the ban on transgender Americans, transgender Americans serving in the United States military. Transgester, it's that's about right. Well, I'm not sure you should assume I'm not corrupt, but I'm thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> you do that again. Well, I'm not sure you should assume I'm not corrupt, but I'm thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, then of course, speaking of corrupt, um, we have well the Trump indictment. I did everything right and they indicted me.
Can I, get can I get your thoughts on that movement just quickly? I know we have to go, but Republican lawmakers around the country are pushing legislation when it comes to banning books. Um, it could be trans rights. Call it anti-woke, or however you want to label it. Is that a good approach, a good strategy? You're a football fan. Is that the way you should approach it? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a culture war guy. Uh, I think it's really polarizing. Look, I, on some of these issues, I'll side uh, you know, with the anti-woke crowd. But to me, I'm worried about a debt crisis. I'm worried about you know the future of our country and, and China. There are big policy problems that we need to tackle if we want to have a great 21st century for this country. Um, my work at AEI Notre Dame and my Poverty Foundation is all about poverty and upward mobility. You know, what I worry about are the big policy challenges that are going unresolved or made worse by Joe Biden. So that's why I want to win this election so we can actually. I did everything right and they indicted me. (laughs) (laughs) I did everything right and they indicted me. Oh, man. (laughs) He sounds like the Green Goblin. (laughs) Um, China. Can, can, I, can I point out that the very same anti-justice system which indicted Donald J. Trump is the same anti-justice system which broke the back of Father James Jackson? I mean, we, we I, I'm just I'm asking everyone to just be consistent. If we reject Comey's FBI, if we reject the Biden administration, and if we if we reject political prosecutions of people, then we need to be consistent across the board. You don't get to cherry pick and pick and choose and say, well, I don't really like Jackson. And so I think he's guilty, but I do like Trump. And so I do think he's innocent. And so therefore that's that that reduces the uh, the anti-justice system of the USSA, uh, the United States of America, the uh, same sex attracted America uh, that reduces the USSA, the anti-justice system to merely the subjective uh, criterion that are happening in your own brain. And I believe that that's a pretty big component of modernism, of of believing that reality exists only in your own mind, not objective reality, that you don't experience reality with your senses, uh, that you just sort of invent it uh, as a set, as a as a uh, uh, chronological set of experiences or feelings or um, uh, uh, ex- you know uh, uh, more or less. Um, uh, tangential experiences, experientialism, right? And, and, and I, I look at it and I say, I, at least in my mind, in my conscience, I am consistent as far as I know, I believe I'm consistent anyway, where I reject all of it. I, if, I, I don't believe that Donald Trump committed any crimes. I don't believe that his indictment is, is just. I think it's uh, it's we're an impoverished nation where we have the president of the United States, so-called the usurper in chief, fake Catholic Joe Biden, who committed the very same thing that Donald J. Trump got indicted 37 times for, except Biden's documents are sitting next to his Corvette in a garage, um, whereas at least Trump's documents were guarded, you know, triple guarded in what you could call a skiff, a secure classified information uh, facility, which is how you have to store technically top secret information. Um, as someone who I think to this day still has a top secret security clearance, I'm not sure if it's still active or not, but I think as of this day, this moment in time, I'm one of the millions of people in the U.S. that has access to classified information. And by the way, we have an overclassification problem in the U.S. That Missouri Internet, man. 
what happened? Are, are people like you're classifying themselves it? as uh, are, are are people classifying themselves as uh, scatologists? Is that what you mean? No, no, we have an overclassification system where uh, people just slap classification designators on anything and everything, and that classifies the document. I mean, I think I think we need to talk about the principle of whether or not a state can have state secrets mm-hmm. and the limits to which those secrets should be held. Right. And to the extent that those secrets are in, in the defense of human beings and, and of, the, of the borders of the nation, fine. But why do we have millions upon millions of documents that are quote-unquote secret? And why do we have millions of people who have access to those documents, including 19-year-old National Guardsmen in, in Massachusetts who can just take our alleged you know, most cherished national secrets and put them on Telegram? So if, if everything is secret and everyone has access to secret information, then, it's, then nobody actually commits a crime with classified documents. And that's the real discussion. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, I mean, I mean, I look at Trump. I didn't like Trump. Obviously, that's known. If you've been watching the program for a long time, I'm not a Trump fan. But at the same time, um, are the, the things they much like with Clinton, I still remember the Clinton indictments and everything. Um, the actual crimes that Clinton committed, he was not in, he was not actually impeached for. Um, he was actually impeached for. Uh, perjury, which is a serious crime, frankly, which he did in fact commit, but it was able to be veiled in the whole question of his uh, after-hours activities. And so, you know, the, then the propaganda coup went to the other side. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, <clears throat> you know, Clinton, uh, you know, it's, see, look, they're going after him because of family values, because Newt Gingrich had done this whole thing for new contract with America, family values, while he's um, having liaisons with the secretary at his desk in his office, but uh, beside that fact, pre-Catholic conversion supposedly, and I sure hope he's really converted. New Gingrich, <laughs> another guy I've never really liked, but anyway, um, and so that—that's the framework that was all presented in. With Trump, it was all you know from from 2016 onward, Orange Man bad, um, and you saw it in culture, Hollywood culture, um, shows that had really good potential where they went nuts. Because Orange Man Bad got elected, so we got to rearrange how every show now has something to do with Trump being this this crazy fascist that's going to bring in totalitarianism in America, even though that none of that ever happened or was going to happen, uh, at least not for Trump. Um, like Man in the High Castle was actually one of the shows that I was watching, and I'm watching this change, and it, it was a really interesting show, um, almost multiversal, but not. You know, where uh, what if the Nazis won? And uh, and it started prior to Trump's, you know, being. But when then his third season goes nuts, and they need to create more Trump-like people in the Third Reich that are running the world. Then within the context of the show, really wrecked the show and really destroyed its coherence because they, they they just went nuts. They had to show how it all had to do with Trump, and so and then you look at the impeachments of Trump. They're all they're all over things that other people did. Frankly, I mean, and we now know the Steele dossier was crap. It was nonsense. Um, all these things they went after before, but so much of it too was creating that five minutes of hate, just like Norwell. Um, it gets you get, you're creating that controlled opposition, gets you mad, and you had QAnon, you had all this garbage that people bought into because they wanted that savior complex. It's just the perfect creation on that thing for the right. And um, Biden just is not charismatic to be that on the left, but the next guy on the left will be, you know, mark my words. So I see with the Trump indictment is 
either um you know again another psyop to 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 get you know everyone worked up and then really but he's really going to win the next election and then usher in most of the stuff the libs want anyway just more quietly cloaked in different issues um or you know he's he actually is authentic and just getting railroaded by the system and i just haven't seen it which could be you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I'm just calling it from where I'm sitting. But um, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I just want to agree with Ryan on one minor point. The next guy on the left will be charismatic, and his name is Michael Obama. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it could. You know, at this point, she, you know, he she could run. You know, it's like that joke. Joe Biden's not half the man that Michelle Obama was. <laughs> Guys, get, can I just cut in with a quick live report from Dodger Stadium? I saw Voris down there with those sissy boys carrying a Dodgers sign and a rainbow flag and drag. Okay, well, there you yeah, there it is. I mean, that's live, live from Dodger um, Stadium. You know, I used to live six minutes from Dodger Stadium. Used to live yeah, there. I used to. I mean, I was north. I was far north. I was in like Rosamond, which is where the Air Force Base is, um, way up in the northernmost part of L.A. County. But I went to Mass down much closer to where Dodger Stadium is and Disneyland and all these things. And so um, but anyway, so we just saw last week was the Feast of Corpus Christi. And if you saw the intro, of course, you saw how various people, uh, you know, celebrated this great feast and how way back in the day in Vietnam, black and white is pre-Vatican II, they had this incredible celebration that would rival anything in any modern American city for, um, you know, Corpus Christi. But the Vatican decided it was the supreme feast of uh, Tutti Frutti.
And so, interestingly enough, uh, the the nude dancer, which uh, you'll thank me for the intro. I did cut some of that blessedly short because I didn't think you could take it. <laughs> um, with uh, what the nude dancer, his last name is Bole, uh, or Bol, I'm not sure actually his nationality either. But apparently he is a professional male dancer, as in a uh, gay stripper. And he has performed at the Vatican before. In fact, uh, in 2005, under St. JP2, one of their circuses. So um, that's not completely unprecedented. But um, we, instead of the sublime Panja Lingua, uh, we have uh, Over the Rainbow as our celebration music for, for Corpus Christi. Where again, um, it's like, granted, according to the news reports anyway, the Pope has been very ill of late fine, he doesn't lead anything himself, but shouldn't there be some kind of Corpus Christi procession? I mean, many Novus Ordo parishes are doing some kind of Corpus Christi procession. In the Vatican does uh, Tutti Frutti. Father Martin. You know, I see I see videos like this, and of course, like, it calls systematic, like, at least once, twice a day. And all I can think about when people call me systematic is stuff like this. And I'm, I'm, I'm like... Are you saying I have nothing to do with any of this? And I'm supposed to be offended. You know, it's uh, this is obviously the the agenda the usurpers, the infiltrators want to push the church. They're doing a good job at embarrassing the church, destroying destroying its credibility and whatnot. Meanwhile, uh, you know, there's there's trads fighting about who's in schism, who's not, who's a member of the church, who's not. It's like, guys, we've got a, a, a notorious homosexual dancing shirtless right in front of the Vatican, and we're talking about laseity. <laughs> you don't want to be in communion with a half-naked faggot uh dancing to the rainbow song and abrahamic temples and pacamamas and and whatever else it's like you know what uh, yeah it's like i want to keep the faith i want to keep the, the faith. comment box wonder why i smoke <laughs> we have this stuff and you, and, and, and you know what's really funny is and what really frustrates me the same uh vein with what mike was saying earlier on it's like can we can we be consistent I've been calling this out since JP2 was alive. Nobody wanted to hear it. Been calling it out under Benedict. Nobody wanted to hear it. Matter of fact, people were asking me back in 2000 and uh, uh, when was it, 13 or 12, why are you posting this? This is this doesn't help. I'm like, what does that mean? This doesn't help. I want you to realize something like this yeah. is is happening in the Vatican. You know. This is what is happening in the Vatican, and we are allowing it to happen. It's not a question of hiding it. It's a question of saying, hey, look, we are naked already before the world. The world sees us as we are. They laugh at us, and they mock us. It is time for us to realize that we are in this very position. We put ourselves in this position by opening the so-called windows, you know, aggiornamento 2.0. This is exactly the end point. We're not even at the end point, folks, but this is along the lines of where we're supposed to end up with the whole agenda. And we have to realize that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it is, I mean, Mike was talking earlier about the Novus Ordo, not forgetting our memories of uh, what scandalized us, what caused us to leave, what, uh, you know, did this. And um, I look at, you know, the Latin Novus Ordo. Um, and, and that was actually the, probably the most dramatic thing for me was when I was at the Latin Novus Ordo. And you know, at first it was, 
this prayer doesn't sound right. Maybe I heard it wrong. I'm not the greatest Latinist that ever was or ever will be. And, um, you know, I'm good at Latin. I can, I can read a page without looking anything up and translate many pages at a time without looking anything up. And then only picking up when I need a scholastic distinction to make sure I got that right. So I didn't screw up a technical term, you know, but there are people better than me and I know them. And so I'm like, all right. And, and I wasn't as good then as I am now. So I'm like, yeah, I, I might've messed this up. So I go looking up the prayer, the, the collect or the, the, the post communion or whatever it was. And I look it up and, and then I'm seeing people having the same issues that I'm having. This prayer doesn't make any sense out of the Latin of his word. And it's like, okay, it's not just me. And it's not just traditionalist either. There's people who know Latin and are looking at this and say, hey, well, what's going on? And there's, you know, at the time, you could actually find that stuff, the community forums and whatnot, back when forums were the thing before uh, blogs and substacks and all this stuff. Um, and so it's like, all right, I guess I got that right. And then, you know, I got more like that. And I found the whole text of the Latin of a sermon coming through it of finding grammatical errors and finding error things that are just wrong or like an, a, a verb that takes this object in the dative and instead it's in the accusative because whoever composed that missed that detail. Um, and, and I'm going, you know, from the minor things to the more impactful things, we got a prayer that makes no sense. And I was like, okay. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to pray my Tridentine Missal. And that made it 10 times worse. And that was actually the more scandalous thing for me than any clown mass I ever saw. That the highest pinnacle of what you can get in the Novus Ordo is this bad. Yeah, the chant was nice. The aesthetics were nice. But the content of it, and then I couldn't unsee it. And then it was, so, and I just said to my wife, all right, that's it. We're doing something else. And we went Byzantine. Because Byzantine is at least authentic and traditional in spite of things that they've modernized. It's not that bad what they've modernized that compared to the, the, the antiquities of their rites and stuff, compared to what, what the Novus Ordo is to the traditional mass. So, you know, it's, it's night and day. And that's what we did. Uh, because, and that was, uh, you know, it was just a stark difference right there. It's like, I, I can't go to the Novus Ordo. And it was the Latin Novus Ordo that provoked that reaction to me that I said, I just can't go to it. I can't do it. Whatever the other questions you want to get into, this is the abomination desolation, or this is just bad, or this is invalid, or whatever. I don't, I don't even care about those questions. I just can't go to it. Period. For all those reasons and above, um, I'll go to Byzantine. I will go to any Eastern church with the craziest Asiatic language that I don't know before I ever touch. You know, darken the door of a sort of period. Um, you know, just because <laughs> it, it is this man-made creation compared to even the Eastern liturgies. So um, anyway. Well, you know, what's really fascinating. Here, here's a fascinating question. A lot of people don't realize this. When they say the Our Father in the Novus Ordo Church, what are they adding afterwards? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, they're adding a false dux, uh, doxology. That they're not, not adding the Byzantine doxology. They're adding the King James right. doxology rendered right. into right. Latin originally. Right, exactly, and then in the Novus Ordo Latin uh, Mass, they re they read it, they read a made up King James version mm -hmm. in Latin, and think that's that's uh, okay, you know. Yeah, or the offertory prayers, which the first time I heard them, it was in English, but I was like, those were like the the meal prayers we did at my Jewish family's house that was uh, in the Hebrew, and. Um, yeah, they generally did in English rather than in Hebrew. Right. Um, right. And it was like they had a nice ring in Hebrew, actually. Um, when you're blessing your food, 
they have right. no provenance. And of course, at the time, I didn't know anything about it. It was a Kelly convert. And I, I, I mentioned my kind of confusion at this. And someone said, oh, it just shows our Jewish roots in the Old Testament. And I was like, okay. You know, I didn't like, know yeah, really. Knowing yeah, better like, now, I'm like, right. so, yes, because those prayers have no provenance in any Catholic literature right whatsoever. It's like, oh, the old Latin Mass offertory prayers, they only go back to the ninth century. They're only a thousand years old. Let's use these prayers that have never been used in a Catholic liturgy and only used to bless a meal that has no sacrificial yeah. value, even within Judaism. Can you imagine? Yeah. In any ritual yeah. Judaism, you never said those <laughs> prayers over the ritual offering that you made of a lamb right. at Passover um, right. or anything else. And you know, they're just purely, you buy uh, fast food and you say those prayers. Uh, it Can you imagine? You with a ritual offering of any sort. Right. And so can we imagine saying our ritual prayer before we consume the host? You, right. you say Benedict Nos Domine, it's a Chetua Donut. Can you actually, that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah, and it is pretty you much. Know, and that's why yeah. various people have noted it's not a proper offertory. And, and that's a huge problem in terms of the mass that hasn't been resolved. I'm not, I'm not an expert liturgist. I can't resolve that problem. But at the same time, like it tells me that I, I, I need to check out of this thing. I don't have, need to have anything to do with it. Yeah. I'll let the smarter people work out all the essential details. And I'm just going to say, no, nope, I'm just going to follow my Catholic sense. Traditional master Byzantine or bust. Byzantine is a collective term because you are Eastern right, Eastern you know, <laughs> in the chat, and you're going to quibble on terminology. I'm just using that as an umbrella term. Don't don't hate me for not recognizing. Yes, 23 different Suiyuri's churches, and each one of you is your own church. And some of you are Greek right, and some of you are are whatever East, you know, uh, Middle Eastern right, etc. I get it. I'm not trying to blur those distinctions. I know you love to quibble about that. Don't eat me. <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you know what uh, Marie Antoinette would not say? She would not say, let them eat cake. Yeah. <laughs> well, she didn't say it, of course, but. Right. And, and and now most secular historians have finally acknowledged that she never actually said that. But So, Mike, Fratelli Tutti, the new high feast that replaces Corpus Christi. You know, I, I think that this fruity tootie thing is is just an, an another uh, exemplar of the widening gulf between the objective reality of the church founded by Jesus Christ and which is in eclipse and the usurping church, which uh, unfortunately you know now you cannot you cannot have an event in the Vatican without half-naked faggot dancing around, uh, gyrating his body to the sounds of a woman singing about a rainbow. And so I think that that is just a perfect, um, it, is, it is a perfect outward sign of the theology of the new religion, which does worship things like gyrating youthful bodies and rainbow flags. And that is part of the Freemasonic religion, which unfortunately has uh, has usurped many of the structural and outwardly visible signs of the Roman Catholic Church, let alone, as we've already noted on this illustrious program of ours, 
these signs um, of uh, and symbols and institutions of the USSA, the United States of America. And um, yeah, I mean, Corpus Christi being eclipsed by it is not, I don't think, uh, a coincidence. Corpus Christi, the feast founded to solidify in the minds of the faithful and to celebrate the founding of the Blessed Sacrament and the true presence of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament is, of course, mocked and, and, and defiled and reviled by uh, those people who are usurping the um, not, not only the chair of Peter, but but also the the uh, accoutrements, uh, if you will, of the of the physical visible uh, church um, in, in 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 his institutions. His Excellency Bishop Athanasius Schneider has echoed something that his his forebearer in name once said as well, St. Athanasius, which is, they let them have the buildings and we will have the faith. And I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that we are at the stage where we can let them have the buildings and we will have the faith. And if Mass of the Ages could get on board with that, if the then they would realize we don't need a rebrand. You don't you can't re you cannot rebrand truth. You cannot take truth and make it more accessible to the youth or more cool or hip or whatever. You can't take a 62-year-old man uh and put a a baby blue powder blue muscle shirt on him while flying on an airplane and make him cool, hip, and accessible with a possum on his head. You know. There are just certain things that are timeless that um, th that transcend the the fads of the day or the age or whatever it is. And um, and so, yeah, I think this tutti frutti thing is is perfectly in line, perfectly in line with the anti-religion, which hates the Blessed Sacrament, hates the traditional Latin mass, hates the old faith, hates St. Alphonsus Liguori and loves all the values of the world. And loves especially those values of the world, which are exemplified by the gyrations of a homosexual who is half naked dancing up on a stage to a song about a rainbow. Compared to, uh, well, not terribly, not even a century ago. The Church of Rome commemorates a miracle of nearly 700 years ago. Preceded by the mitre and papal crown and carrying the Eucharist, His Holiness Pope Pius XI kneels as young priests bear him in procession. In an ancient shrine is the Holy Rite said to have converted a doubting priest in 1263. This is the first time Pope Pius has held a ceremony which has been held only twice before in the last 80 years. After the procession, His Holiness is carried back into St. Peter's where he replaces the Eucharist on the altar of confession. in the day when when they actually believed and you look at the fact that less than 30 percent of catholics in the united states believe in the real presence and um 
I can't imagine. I have no idea what the figures are on that in the rest of the world who's keeping those figures. So I couldn't even begin to predicate it. But uh, based on the, you know, the abuses you see whenever, you know, big liturgies happen in the rest of the world. Well, I, I guess it's in, in comparison to that number. And I think the the head that is, you know, Rome itself showing its disdain for this feast by doing a, a feast of human fraternity with a, a gay dancer who has a male boy, a acknowledged boyfriend <laughs> as part of its ceremonies kind of tells us uh, we're there. Father Martin, last word on the Fratelli Tutti sacrament taking the place of the true sacrament. It's not surprising. I was My first year in Rome was 2013 as a student studying at the Lateran. And that was, of course, the uh, the first year um, Bergoglio became the head of Vatican City State. And I was very disappointed because I was looking forward to the Corpus Christi procession. But he canceled it because he didn't want to disrupt traffic in Rome. And I'm like, disrupt traffic in Rome? There's no way to disrupt traffic in Rome. People will just drive on the sidewalks and keep going around, whatever. There's no disrupting traffic in Rome. The drivers just choose a different route. Uh, because that was that was incredibly disappointing, but it's it's been happening since since the very first, well, since he came out on the lodge, he 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 refused to to come out dressed as as a as a pope would be dressed, which I guess he was trying to tell us something. But, um, wow. yeah, I mean those those are kind of my. I'm not surprised at anything when when he when he throws out Catholic traditions. I'm not surprised when when he mocks the faith. I'm not surprised when he says something heretical. I'm not surprised. You know, if it, if it. Walks like a duck and quacks like a duck. Well, probably it's a duck. So, evidently so. Um, anyone got a last word? I, you on, know, uh, yeah, I do. I do have a sacrament last word. of of tutti frutti. I do have a last word, and you know, uh, the the feast of Corpus Christi had an octave in the pre fifty five. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. and in the octave of the of the of Corpus Christi, we heard the sequence every single day. And I am so, so lucky that many of the days within the octave, I got to hear this sequence over and over again. It's poetry written for God. And the poetry is written in Latin. And I've just admired the fact that somebody like a Ryan Grant level intellect, not like me, but a Ryan Grant level intellect was able to translate the poetry in Latin into poetry in English. And it makes sense. And I just, you know what I want to do? Don't be beyond my levels. I suck at poetry. I want to read. I want to read uh, just the, the last couple stanzas of this um, sequence, which we have heard for eight days now, uh, up until I think yesterday. Mm -hmm. And it says, "Low upon the altar lies, hidden deep from human eyes, bread of angels from the skies, made the food of mortal man. Children's meat to dogs denied." In old types, force signified, in the manna heaven supplied, Isaac and the paschal lamb, Jesu shepherd of the sheep, thou thy flock in safety keep, living bread thy life supply, strengthen us or else we die, fill us with celestial grace, thou who feedest us below, source of all we have or know, grant that with thy saints above, sitting as at the feast, at the feast of love, we may see thee face to face, Amen. Amen. And I just, 
you know, I, I marvel at this. This is just the last couple stanzas of, of the long sequence, which everyone probably has heard uh, for eight days. The whole point of this is that we see our Lord face to face, talking about the Holy Face, talking about Father Jackson, just touching on all of these things. Face to face. The poetry that is in the liturgy that is literally there, contrasting that religion with this gyration of a known faggot who has performed for John Paul the anti-great, right? Um, and, and onward. You, you cannot get to the point where you contrast these things and, and you, you, know, you can't get to the point where you see them side by side and you realize they're not face to face. You cannot see them face to face. They're not apples to apples. They're not the same religion. And it is it 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 it, be, it becomes to a point where, like as Father Martin said, I'm not surprised by it anymore, nor should we be surprised by it. We shouldn't be surprised by it because we're talking about two totally separate things. They may look the same, they may appear to be the same on the surface level, but if you just pay, peel back one layer. You contrast the beauty with the intellect who can who can take um, Latin poetry and and trans transpose it into English poetry, poetry written for God that only the priest says that most people don't even read. It's only for God in the liturgy, and then you you contrast that with what the hell is happening in Rome today, and you realize something something is structurally amiss. James, last word. Supreme Sacrament of Fratelli Tutti over Corpus Christi. It's gay. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you Why gay? are you a gay? We bring in the studio this morning one of the gay rights activists, Mr. Should I call you Mr. Pepe Julian Onzima. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for Good morning. Morning to you. Why are you gay? Who says I'm gay? You are gay. You are a transgender. What, 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 what shows that I'm gay? You are a transgender yes, and you're a gay rights activist and an outspoken um, uh, uh, lesbian, homosexual. How can I describe you? Now, we're looking at the raging debate. Uh, you're a gay rights activist. Why should someone be gay? You're having a girlfriend. Yes. Do you perform the natural obligations? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sexually active right now. So what are By you doing choice. with this lady? By choice. By choice. Yeah. I've just not, uh, I've chosen not to engage. Doesn't that make you gay? I am not gay. I have relationships with women. Sex with men. And I got news for you. That means you're gay. Well, it is that time, everyone. It's time for. And I will go first, as is customary here on the rundown. Um, as everybody knows, my my beloved wife uh, passed away from cancer, 
and went from stage three to stage four very, very quickly before we were expecting it. Um, so, yeah, and I could go on about that. I don't want to because I don't want to start tearing up with my sunglasses here to cover up for it. There's nothing worse. I hate crying. I hate more than crying in public is crying on camera. But there's a friend of mine, Joe Vogel. He, I knew him in, in my parish up here. Good man, hardworking man, good trad Catholic man. And um, he has been diagnosed with stage three rectal cancer, unlike my wife, who, you know, at least got to suffer in her bed. Um, Joe still has to continue working uh, to, to supply for his family, which is larger than mine. And, uh, and his poor wife is dealing with this situation where, you know, They've got medical bills. They've got all these things. And, um, you know, he, he moved out near Gower, uh, Missouri area. So he's out there. Um, hey, out in your guys' neck of the woods. And really good man. Just just fundamentally good man. And, you know, is this is give, send, go. So I'm grifting that. Um, good grief. I don't know if the link made up in the banner. Give, send, go.com slash capital G-A-R-1-U. That's how they have it. Um, but you can also uh, type in give, send, go Joe Vogel, V-O-E-G-E-L into Google. If you are on the, you listen on the podcast end of it. Um, and so for his give, send, go, because, you know, it's like, whereas my wife was suffering in bed, uh, we had a lot of help. We had people came and watched the children, people took children to, to watch them while I worked well, all this stuff was going on, and uh, of course, I am left without her, but I am the one working, and I have help. Um, I imagine that's a lot different on the female side of the equation. I can only imagine what his poor wife, Anna, is going through. So any support you can give them is good. Um, and then, it, obviously, I've grifted my gifts and go for my wife. This audience has been incredibly generous. You were incredibly generous to James for a mundane thing like his laptop. You were incredibly beyond that generous. Um, I know many people who watch us, you know, gifted to my gifts and go for my wife. Um, and so if you're like tapped out, you don't have the money, that's fine. Pray to my wife who died from cancer. Yeah, like, and I'll just tell you this. I had this from someone, someone that's known to people on this program, um, that texted me and said that he was he was so um, moved by my my confidence that my wife was in heaven that he prayed to my wife for a relative that was suffering cancer in stage three, and that individual went back to the doctors and they were absolutely flabbergasted because there was no more cancer it was gone. And so, if you don't have the you know the means to to donate to this, that that's fine. Prayer. Right? You know, I'm just going to say, because I mean, because the saints, the theologians tell us you can have devotion to somebody that is in heaven as long as you don't represent it as coming from a decree of the church, even in public. And so and I have absolute confidence that my wife's in heaven and that my wife will hear and, you know, and intercede, um, even though, you know, it is not from a decree of the church. It is just from my own experience and my own you know, confidence in, in the manner of her holy death and everything. And so, yeah, if you, if you don't have the, the, the money to, to give to this, then I, I do say um, invoke her intercession, invoke her prayers, and, uh, and otherwise, you know, offer, mention him in, in your rosary. 
because, um, you know, these are horrible circumstances for families to go through. Um, no, Joe did not get the jab in case anyone's wondering. He was 100% on that page with us in case anyone's wondering that. Um, that always comes up. It's one of those things. It's like you think it. You don't say it if you have common sense. Some people do <laughs> because they don't. Um, I, I imagine this audience is on the right page on all those things. But, you know, he didn't get that. But, you know, he's still, you know, this is a horrible suffering for that family. Very good Catholic family, 13 kids. Uh, so please keep that in your prayers. And that's my grift. Um, wait, wait, there it is. Okay, my grift this week. Last week, I was grifting for um, for prayers for Father John's anniversary for the repose of his soul. This week, I'm going to do the opposite and grift for your prayers. What I mean is that... Uh, if you go to our website, www.obliesofstaintaugustin.com, there's a contact us section there um, that has our PO box. Um, feel free to write um, and send me intentions you would like me to pray for. Um, I don't take mass stipends or anything like that right now because I know that will uh, just be a huge uh, splash in the pond, so to speak, with all the priests that don't like me speaking the truth here on the rundown on Twitter or what whatnot. They'll... They'll think I'm defrauding people thinking that, you know, my masses listen, all that kind of stuff. Like, listen, you guys, you guys know, I've been clear about my, my situation and whatnot with the, with being ordained by Bishop Meikle and the old Romans and stuff. Uh, so I'm just kind of trying to stay away from that pond. But uh, I mean, I'm not going to complain if you send a donation too, but um, yeah, feel free to uh, send in your, your prayer intentions and whatnot to, to our PO box. And, and I'll definitely write back. That's it. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I uh, hope you're doing well tonight. I would like to share with you something that I think is uh, a piece of good work. Uh, this book here, Listen, Son, this is uh, published by Angelus Press. And what this book does is it goes into uh, the coming of age, this is a coming of age book for uh, fathers to share with their children, uh, their boys particularly, uh, going into that period of puberty and understanding uh, various things about life and how life comes to be. Uh, so this book is a very important book for those of you who have kids who will soon be at that age or maybe you're there at that age and you need something to help you uh, facilitate this talk because the talk has to happen, you know, and it's better that you are well equipped to do it with uh, priests who have uh, studied and who've uh, written and who are sharing with you um, the way that they think it ought to be, it ought to be done. Uh, now, this book is uh, one that uh, starts, or rather, it, it's it's uh, the premise of this book. the uh, The way it's drawn out is to give you uh, kind of a real, um, uh, I don't want to say uh, more than it is, but for, at least when I'm, when I'm reading it, it reads like a letter of a father reading to his son and sharing with him at certain times. Each chapter is a timeline. You share a little bit here and then you keep it for later and hopefully there's a back and forth uh, exchange and discussion that happens. But then the next chapter carries on from where it stopped the last time. 
So it moves in, in uh, degrees closer and closer, uh, basically drawing out the, the mystery and leaving leaving the mystery uh, and leading you into the mystery in a way that is not um, callous. I should say, use that word expression. Um, so this is very good. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read you a short excerpt from the back. Uh, listen, son, 12 heart-to-heart talks given by a father to his son about the mysterious processes of life, as sacred as they are, admirable, uh, or admirable as Americans would say. Uh, Dear father, don't pass this off to your sons. Discuss it with your son. You will not find here any use of crass anatomical biological terms, no risk of sophistication. This little booklet presents the timeless supernatural attitude. The matter and approach are tailored to the nature and age of your son. It includes suggestions of motives and means for the practice of purity. And um, I'm reading this right now. If you have kids around that age who need guidance, again, the book is emphasizing you would be reading this to your son and not handed this, this up to your son. So this is something for you and your son to read together and for you to keep when you're not reading. Uh, to your son. So uh, you can get this at Angelus Press and uh, just Google Angelus Press. I think it's angeluspress.org. I, I can't be too sure. But find this book there and uh, God bless. Hey folks, I want to play you an audio that you've never heard before. I want to play you an interview, part of an interview with a bishop, a bishop of uh, uh, of African heritage. His name is Bishop Bishu, Buchu. And I want to play you just a, a, a brief clip here, and I have to navigate to minute two, so bear with me. Hold on. Okay. Well, that's um, those are all of my questions about the... Uh, let's see if we can get there. Well, let's just listen to the whole the only other questions that that I have in general um, is related to to canon law. I was wondering, um, you know, did the did the church ever require that offenses of child abuse be kept secret? Not now, no, no. I mean, we accepted the the latest stand of the church, especially from the time of Pope Francis, though before him. We, we were following the thing, but he has been very, very uh, outstanding in that. So we've just been following that. Okay. So in the, I'm saying this because in the past, uh, the church used to, especially the bishop, he would keep those things to himself and keep transferring the priests from one parish to another. It happened all over the world like that, but we have changed uh, completely. Uh, we just simply deal with the matter when it comes up now. Right. So... So in the past, under canon law, it would be the matter would be kept confidential, and the priest would be transferred. And now it's yes. reported to the to the CDF. Is that correct? We just have to do that. Yes, you just have to. There are too many of those cases, and uh, many people don't seem to take the matter seriously. So the only way out is that the church not be suffering unnecessarily uh, from people who are supposed to uplift the church. They let them. Uh, get sanctions. I think it's better for everyone to 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 follow that. Okay, and so um, was it was it in uh, 2019? Because um, I I know of Sacramentum Sanctitatis Tutula of 2001 from Saint John Paul II and Graviora Delicta 
by uh, Pope Benedict in 2010, uh, those documents asked that um, that offenses involving minors be adjudicated by the Holy See. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, but the matters were still to be kept confidential until Pope Francis lifted that requirement in 2019. Is that correct? That's it, yes. Okay, so prior to 2019, it's possible that, that a priest's um, uh, offenses would still be kept secret and that he could be transferred. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what, that was the practice. Okay, and, and the Holy See had um, legislated that. Yes. Okay, and um, as as far as law enforcement goes, um, was Father Hillary Nagome and Nang's offenses ever reported to law enforcement? Well, not during my time. Okay. And um, is there any requirement that things go to law enforcement uh, right now? Well, if the family forces things that way or the person's concerned, there's nothing you can really do. Eh? If it's law enforcement, maybe you meet them privately and try to settle it. Otherwise, you go to court. Right. But, yes, but, the police will be informed. But right now, under canon law, it's not required to go to uh, the state. No, I mean, the, the church can handle the matter itself. I see. And... Um, uh, so e even if he was found guilty by the CDF, would the church have to uh, make a public statement that he was found guilty? Yeah, you have to inform the, the community. You have to inform the diocesan community and everyone else who needs to know, or who should know. I see. Okay, so this is just a, a tough case that was caught in transition between you and Bishop Beebe. Is that correct? That's it. That's it. That's it. Yes. Okay. Um and um, that's uh, that's very good. Um, do, do you think that he should that Father uh, Hillary Anang should be laying hands on on priests as they're being ordained? No, I mean once he is in that situation, um, he should not be there. He shouldn't participate in the liturgy anyway. Maybe uh, they, they, if he was saying a private mass before the final decisions are made. You could do that privately, but not to come to the public service, no way. <laughs> it was very surprising to see him there. Uh, even for me, I, I watched okay. online. Okay. <laughs> That's um, it. Are, are people generally upset that Father Anang is, is back in ministry? Yeah, many are. Many who know. Those who know, they are. Yeah. And if if people see something like that, what should they do? Yeah, normally, they would approach the bishop and tell him. Yeah. Um, and if a bishop doesn't listen to the people, then what should they do? They appeal to the Holy See. I mean, the Holy See is free for everybody, and they, they, they notify you straight away that they have received the appeal. There's no question about that. They, they, they follow up. Yeah, that, that's very good. Well, thank you so much for your advice and for being so open. And I hope that we can talk once again. Um, I Ladies and gentlemen, what you have just heard is a bishop of the Catholic Church, Bishop Bushu in Africa, who is talking about the mandatory reporting requirements and the secrecy with respect to 
priests who are abused of uh, priests who are uh, accused of abusing children. Uh, my grift tonight, if I had a grift, was to please, please watch last week's rundown with our special guest James Grind. James Grind knocked the cover off the ball of exposing the corrupt McCarrick uh, crime organization. But McCarrick did not act alone. McCarrick acted with the aid of canon law, uh, at least up until 2019. And in countries where there is no mandatory report, reporting requirement, as you just heard Bishop Bushu uh, say, that even priests who are accused of raping children, serial rapist priests, are not are not required to be turned over to law enforcement agencies. They are, quote-unquote, handled within the confines of the church. Now, you and I know, you and I are of the same opinion. You and I are of the same mind. If a priest molests a child, he should not be a priest anymore. But the simple fact of the matter is, that if you read Kieran Tapsell's book, his groundbreaking book, Kieran Tapsell is an Australian um, attorney, who has written about this. If you read the book, you will find that the following truism is true. The more children a priest rapes, the more victims he accrues in his, um, in his crime spree, the more likely he is to re remain within the priesthood. That is canon law. Now, I want to tell you one more thing in the Griff segment. This interview that you just heard, part of this interview with Bishop Bushu, in which the bishop, His Excellency, admits that he is not only not required to report to the authorities, but that for the majority of his priesthood, he was forbidden from reporting any priestly misconduct to the authorities. That interview was provided to church militant who refused to run the story. Why did they refuse to run the story? I have the smoking gun. I have it in writing. Because they were too busy suing me. Now, I want you to juxtapose this in your mind just for one second. We know that in any organization there's going to be some priestly misconduct. When you have a thousand priests or fifteen hundred priests in the organization, like the SSPX, there's going to be some bad apples in there. In August of 2020, when Church Militant ran their hit piece on one of those bad apples, allegedly, they said that the SSPX cooperated with canon law and handled their, their business and moved the priests along, moved them to somewhere else. So my question to Michael Voris, my question to Christine Niles, and my question to Church Militant and to all the normies out there is, if you claim that the SSPX is in schism, is in separation from Rome, then... How can you criticize them for handling abuse cases precisely how canon law and how Rome prescribes them to be handled? That is my question for you, Michael Voris. How can you claim that the SSPX is in schism when abuse cases that happen in the SSPX are handled exactly how they are handled in the Novus Ordo, which is precisely how they are supposed to be handled according to canon law? And you, Michael Voris, who have refused to report on canon law and the weaknesses therein, which have permitted the abuse crisis to persist in the church, not since 2002, but since the beginning, since 100 years ago, at least since this came into existence, 
imputability argument. You know, you're 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 not culpable for your crimes. Uh, the more victims you accrue, because it's a mental health disorder, it's not a criminal prosecution. You have repu- have refused to report on it. You have had the smoking gun. You have had the evidence, and you've done nothing about it. So my grift, ladies and gentlemen, is to pick up Kieran Tapsell's book, Potiphar's Wife, The Vatican's Secret and Child Sex Abuse and, and Child Sex Abuse by Kieran Tapsell. He has put this together. Governments around the world are aware of this, but Catholics in the United States are not aware of this. And I intend to make it a personal mission to make sure everybody is aware of this. And so if I can get one last grift in. So uh, as uh, we have mentioned on the show previously, um, I'm starting a show on Mike Church's Crusade channel, uh, Saga, Saints, and Smoke. It is going to be a history uh, show, so no politics, at least no contemporary politics anyway. And, and that's for a number of reasons. I do that here. This is when I, uh, I be and moan about that kind of stuff. But really, when it comes down to analyzing modern politics and talking about things, I'm giving kind of my opinion from my bent and relying on the research of others. There's nothing particularly original or anyone can criticize a modern politician. That's not to denigrate people who do that because, you know, they have an angle or an experience that I don't have, per se. What I do have is I'm an historian, and I have done manuscript research. I've been in the middle of that, writing a book on uh, the war has been a succession for 10 years, mostly drawn out of manuscript. I had to teach myself French in order to even get that book even somewhere near getting on. And I have no idea if I'm going to finish it. Um, uh, my daughter's death derailed it. My wife's death may have permanently derailed it. Maybe not. Uh, we'll see if I get back to it. But in the meantime, I am going to be... Uh, doing this show on the crusade channel uh exclusively so i mean if you, if you do your code uh you know the parent code obviously i think mike's made one for me uh, my church has made one for me too i um haven't seen it but anyway so this show will be on the crusade channel five days a week um it'll be predicated on there's a date that we're getting to a final date and uh five episodes will be leading to that date and then mixed in with that if I, if I can't make five episodes out of the date, there'll be Q&A. Uh, I'll have an email set up, uh, or I'll just do it through my own personal email, whichever one I'm willing to do. And um, there were field questions, Q&A for actual history topics uh, within the realm of what I can deal with and what I, you know, where I specialize in is Renaissance history, Baroque history, Re- Renaissance and Reformation, uh, and Napoleon. Um and not, uh, I don't do World War II, so don't ask me World War II questions. I don't do World War II. World War One. I, I still want to get into, I'm not ready for World War One, even, frankly. I'm still relying on research of others instead of my own research. So, um, but if you want to do, you know, the, those topics, anything in the Renaissance period, the Reformation period, Baroque period, Council Trent, um, into the 17th century, and then, you know, Seven Years War, I'm still good for um and then you know stuff i've actually seen in manuscript um and then and then napoleon where i've read just so much napoleon um and, and again you know i learned to read I, I still can't speak french worth a damn sorry francophiles i just can't i can't handle how you pronounce your language and i know you feel the same way when you go to english so so 
no, no judgment, no, no angst, uh, the, the usual, you know, Albion Pafi versus uh, you know, the, the snooty French. You know, I, we get it. We all get each other. It's fine. Um, but anyway, uh, th that's that's what I do. So if you have questions on those periods and you want to email them into me right now, you can send it to, to my personal email, ihsgrant.com. Oh, no, 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 ihsgrant at gmail.com. Forgive me. Screwed that up. Um, and, you know, when I do Q&A episodes, I'll take like one or two an episode and make, make a big episode out of it or something. Um, and so on and so forth. So that, you know, it won't be live. Not yet. Not until I, you know, because I've got between childcare and um, my homestead and my business and so many things. I can't commit to always being there at a certain time to feel things live. Uh, I may do a live show here and there. Um, and we'll see. And I'll work that out with, uh, you know, the King dude over at crusadechannel.com and, uh, in the future, but that's the show. That's, that's what's being set up. And, um, you know, I've been working toward that and, and setting this up and trying to develop this. And so that, that's where we're going. Uh, hey, can, can I jump in and just say one thing? Absolutely. Ryan Grant's show is going to follow mine every day. So mine is 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. I'm going to hand off the baton to Ryan at 11 a.m. every day on the Crusade channel. This is the last weekend, ladies and gentlemen. This is it. I'm pretty sure this is it. I've talked to the King dude today on the phone, on the cell. He said, hey, Mike, push it because we're shutting it down. Go to crusadechannel.com slash parrot. Two R's, two T's. P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And if you do that, if you go to crusadechannel.com right now, slash parrot, and you type in my last name, which was Docs Taxon Blackmailed, P-A-R-R-O-T-T, -T, you will become a Founders Pass member for free. And uh, that's it. I mean, that's a big deal. Now, I have a couple other announcements. Number one, if you've already taken advantage of this and you're listening to yours truly one hour a day, five days a week, which is no small hurdle to produce, and Ryan's about to do the same thing, if you go to crusadechannel.com, and you're doing that, consider making a donation. Consider the fact that Crusade Channel runs on a shoestring. You know, Mike Church, he took a big leap having me join in the wake of all this controversy with, uh, you know, the homo narcissist who, uh, who's barking at my, at my doorstep right now. He's taking, a, he's taking less of a risk on Ryan because Ryan's a brain, walking brain. Ultimately, my assumption is that all four of Walking us will, will have our own thing going at Crusade Channel. You can listen to the rundown at the Crusade Channel, crusadechannel.com. You can listen to parts of my daily show on iTunes at the New Christendom, uh, New Christendom Movement. That is the name of the podcast. There is a lot going on, ladies and gentlemen. So I just want to make everybody aware of the fact that if you like the rundown the rundown's there if you like mike mike is there one hour a day if you like ryan ryan's there an hour a day and soon we're working on it we're just announcing this live we're doing this negotiation right now james you want to join um <laughs> go to crusadechannel.com you get four hours a day of the king dude you get Magdalene Rose is doing political news you get uh, the British lady, I forget her name, but she's doing awesome stuff early, early in the morning. 
it's a lot of live content. It's radio the way it should be. We're not filtered. We can't be canceled. We can say whatever we want. We're not abiding by the YouTube guidelines. And you can listen to it on iTunes now. That's the new breaking news thing. So Ryan and I both have our own individual shows at crusadechannel.com. Go to crusadechannel.com slash parrot, P-A-R-R-O-T-T. Type in my last name. It's been doxxed, hacked, and blackmailed, P-A-R-R-O-T-T, parrot, at crusadechannel.com. And you will get a full year. Again, this is it. So if you don't do it now, you're not going to get it free. And then you're going to have to pay like 160 bucks for it. And who wants to pay 160 bucks to hear me? I don't know many people who would do that. Some of you would. And I appreciate that. But I just don't know many people who would actually pay 160 to hear little old me. Now, many of you would pay to hear The Walking Brain here, Ryan Grant. And I certainly understand that. But... Uh, Saychannel.com slash parrot. Okay, that's it. Sorry. No, not at all. And of course, you know what comes next. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. Prepare to be mesmerized. Get on your tinfoil hats. Get out your pies for opinions more unpopular than an alpha male at a gender studies retreat. It's the Rundown Zone Unpopular Opinions Segment. I suppose I'll adhere to tradition and I'll start first. Even though I'm running it and I could technically make Mike go first. (laughs) You could. I'm so glad you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, all right. So, my unpopular opinion is there are certain people that just feel the need to take their own particular standards of what's right and what's good and or what, what should be permissible and apply it to everybody else. And everybody in some way or some form is guilty of this. And more recently it's that, well, you shouldn't be grieving in public the way I think you should be grieving in public or uh, even more recently, in terms of the comm section of the last video, you shouldn't be drinking or smoking in public because I've decided drinking and smoking is bad. And therefore, uh, these things are wrong. You're obviously effeminate and weak, and so there's a template of, yeah, you do this. I don't like that you do this. So therefore, and I'm going to try to take ownership over you by saying, I'm the adult here. You are the child. And you're, the very fact that you dared to defend yourself means you're the child. Well, I've got something to say to that particular opinion is that is the opinion of the weak and the effeminate and the people that have low tolerance. There are certain things that by natural law, by objective decrees of the church, are always wrong and always bad. Um, by clear teachings of scripture and what have you are always wrong and always bad. But those things in between, though, are going to be governed by culture and by by tradition to a certain extent. And so the you know the idea that oh I dared to smoke and drink on a live stream so therefore I'm an effeminate child because you decided so means you are actually an effeminate child because you can't handle somebody who's perfectly secure doing what he's doing. Um, and likewise uh, you know I, I grieve in a certain way I re- reveal certain things about how I'm dealing with my wife's death not all 
I don't take videos of myself bawling and crying at my wife's graveside and post them on Twitter. And if I did that, you might have something to say. You might have a good you know, cause. Um, but no, just sharing pictures, lamenting how much I miss her brings the tragedy of death that is real. You know, and, and I will stack all the many emails I've gotten of people giving me support, thanking me, how that's changed their lives, helped their lives, benefited their lives. And so my unpopular opinion is on these things. We need people to break what is non-scriptural, non-traditional, not by a decree of the church, but <clears throat> kind of a modernist attitudes toward death, for example toward certain hobbies and habits um you know the taboos as it were that are created out of nothing we need people to break those taboos and so whether it's a question of how you grieve or that i smoke smoke if you got them haters um anyway you know you need people to break those taboos in order to make legitimate change so people can find true sense of grief true sense of utropalia true sense of living like a human being when the culture itself has become moored in and you know this probably isn't even unpopular but hey some of mine it seems to be unpopular given the kind of pushback i get from so-called trebs that, that think they're being traditional by adopting victorian attitudes and victorian taboos which have nothing at all to do with traditional culture or scripture or the traditional doctrine of the church but hey yeah i'm, I'm here to break those so uh, not not the, the not from scripture and tradition of the church but rather the victorian taboos i'm here to break those so um less like a cut in the wrong way um anyway so that's my unpopular opinion it's okay to you know to if something is doesn't have a foundation of scripture and tradition doesn't have a foundation degree of the church and you have a taboo that has no foundation in reality that people expect you to follow it's okay to When I was in Rome in 2013, 2014, late 2013, um, I got to experience for the first time what growing a, a local cultus, a local cult for someone who's recently passed away, demonstrating what one would call heroic virtue. It was uh, someone who's kind of made news in the past her name is Chiara Corbella Petrillo she was a young Italian woman um, who gave plenty of pro-life talks because she had uh, several children who were deformed doctors told her that she should have an abortion she refused um, became a huge pro-life testimony saying you know even a few minutes with your child is, is beautiful but then her last child she developed cancer in like in the in her, in her throat or in her tongue some someplace um, where they actually had to take out her eyeball because the cancer had spread to her eyeball. Um, but she refused chemotherapy and everything before um, she could have her child, Francesco. And so, of course, I mean, the story ends tragically, but beautifully in the sense that uh, she had Francesco, he was healthy and everything else, but it was kind of too late for the chemo to have any effect. And uh, she passes away. But there were tons of people at her funeral because she, um, I mean, she shared her story even even after she had Francesco. She was... Um, 
just going around sharing her joy with everybody saying, you know, how, how beautiful it is to have a relationship with the Lord, that life is, that life is great and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, so in 2013, which is one year anniversary of her death, um, I mean, her husband, her, her, her husband, her, who survived her, um, I mean, he gave his testimony, everything shared photos, photos and stories of, of, uh, Kiara and, um, and once that she, she I, I saw what it what it looked like to have a local cultus grow around someone who who exemplified virtue. Um, another saint that as as or another person that people have have kind of thought about sainthood for is is someone like G.K. Chesterton, and of course the news broke back in uh, 2019 that the the bishop of North North Northampton Northampton in England. Um, decided not to open his cause because of a lack of three things. One was a lack of a local cult that venerated Chesterton. Um, the second thing was a, a lack of a, a pattern of personal, of personal spirituality. And the third of course was uh, the Bishop has some concerns about allegations that GK Chesterton was uh, anti-Semitic, And that one is, is very arguable given the times and the circumstances of what, who in particular he was arguing against um, that he had a few running ins with. Um, but regardless, there there are certain things that one needs to demonstrate in order to open a cause for a canonization, and none of those things necessarily are the incorrupt the incorruptness of of one's body. That could be a sign that one is in heaven, but it's not necessary. If so, then all the the corrupt saints shouldn't be canonized saints because well, they're corrupt. Um, but nevertheless, um, what my unpopular opinion is is that. Having grown up in Kansas City, having been had so many connections in Kansas City, having been in Kansas City from 2015 um, to 2020 when I left, and then back again in 2022, um, I've heard very little about Sister Wilhelmina, about her life. I knew people that knew knew her had some dealings with the fraternity Saint Peter when she was founding her uh, monastery up in Gower and all that kind of stuff. Um. But there was there was never real a huge excitement about her virtues and all that kind of stuff. I know there's people that have written biographies who have lived very closely with her and who are more excited than the people that have, have worked with her and whatnot, and that's understandable. But nevertheless, there's there was never any uh, indication that um, there 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 might be something here. And so whenever she was revealed to be supposedly incorrupt, um, personally, I considered there to be a lot of lacking things to, to be immediately excited about. I'm not saying that she will never be canonized though. I don't think she'll ever be canonized precisely because of her spirituality. She was a traditional nun and the church is what it is. Um, but nevertheless, my unpopular opinion was that uh, it, it wasn't anything to be excited about. Nothing, nothing's ever going to come of it. That's my popular opinion. What you got? All right, here we are. Um, my unpopular opinion is that um, there will be a dark horse in emerging in 2024 race for president of these United States, and that the dark horse is Robert Kennedy Jr. This is not to say that I endorse him or that 
I think he's the best candidate out there. But I'll tell you what I've noticed. I say this because he's doing all the right things to garner himself the attention, the, the attention of people who do not want to see a Biden or who are confused by why Biden is running or who do not want to see a Michelle Obama. He's speaking vociferously on matters pertaining to uh, the vaccines, to the falsehoods, to the claims uh, that the uh, false vaccine science uh, states. He's attacking the establishment on issues on matters which Trump is very weak on. And he knows how to tell a captivating story without getting into complex details that lose the attention of people who are listening. And of course, there are many Democrats out there who would rather vote for him because he intelligibly expresses what the false science is and how prominent it is in in today's uh, world. And just today, I was listening to uh, a podcast he had with Rogan, which he calls out the unnecessary, uh, sorry, the uh, unnecessary and immoral uh, vaccines, which even newborn babies are, are forced to get, specifically the Hep B shot. And he calls it out and he says this is a huge problem. He mentions all the things that can come from having being exposed to the, to the uh, adjuvants in that vaccine itself. I think people on the left who are not thrilled about Trump or DeSantis will get a sense of credibility in this person of RFK Jr. on these issues. You know, he speaks very intelligently about these issues. And it's, it's funny because there's a meme going around, going around right now of RFK and Alex Jones uh, <laughs> talking at each other. Of course, it was spliced from two different talks. But basically, uh, for intents and purposes, RFK Jr. is Alex Jones, but without the steroids. And this is kind of what's going around. And so, so people are excited about that. Whether or not this is a genuine person is, with, is without... Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's not a question with with merit because we've we've seen the we've seen the work he's done over the last three years, especially uh, being under a lot of scrutiny from uh, the Biden White House and from uh, Fauci and for all the other statists uh, out there who are coming after him, especially his own family members. And so we can kind of you know put him on par with someone like Trump, you know. But this is somebody that the left is listening to because he has a lot of connections on the left. So we might not end up seeing a Biden versus Trump. We might end up seeing an RFK versus Trump. Whether or not this is actually going to happen, I have no idea. But I have a feeling that there's a dark horse rising, and that dark horse in this election is RFK. Ladies and gentlemen, the other night I was uh, in a neighborhood that is um, home to several traditionalist families, and I was visiting a friend just for a, mo a moment. Uh, I was there to drop something off and pick something up, and I left the car running. Um, I was just going to be there for a second. I was accused of running a, uh, a offensive parking operations in which I was intentionally blocking in the trad vans from neighbors who couldn't get out of their driveways because they're little girls and don't know how to drive a van in a three-car garage-wide driveway. And I had my little my little convertible uh, that was blocking one portion of the 
driveway, but I was accused of intentionally parking my car in order to block in the van at 10 p.m. on a Thursday night when, of course, all the emergencies happen and you need to move your Mercedes Sprinter van out of the driveway. Now, I was accused of doing that on purpose. A, I wasn't even driving my little uh, convertible. I had a driver driving my convertible, of course. Um, and I don't know if my driver is even legal in these United States. Um, my point of telling the story is that the person who accused me uh, has my phone number, knows where I live, knows everything about me, could text me, call me, whatever. Hey, move your car. I'm trying to get out. But instead, just decided to tell all the neighbors that I parked the car there on purpose. I parked it. I wasn't even driving again. Um, and that I'm doing this because I'm such a bad guy and mean trad and mean, mean trads like to you know harass people or whatever. So my point of telling the story is this. We are quick to assume the worst in others around us. We are quick to assume the worst in those people that we have some other ideological disagreement with or some other personal disagreement with. And uh, my question to all of us, this is maybe a rhetorical question that we should ask is here on the feast of the most sacred heart of Jesus is whether or not we would want our Lord to assume the worst in us whether or not we would want him to assume the worst in our intentions, our actions, because we so often do it to other people. Now, do I take pleasure? Do I, do I, do I get my jollies off at 10 o'clock at night being almost an hour from my house in blocking people's vans in, in some neighborhood that I don't really care about? Um, no, obviously, I don't do that. I'm not laughing maniacally as I'm blocking people into their driveways. Oh, <laughs> um, the idea of doing that is so absurd. But I think the th but it but that absurdity is eclipsed by the absurdity of believing the worst in our own Catholic brothers and saying um, uh, that he that 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 this was done on purpose. Again, I wasn't even driving the car. This goes to something that actually happened to me earlier this week. There was a big account on Twitter and they, they tweeted something that I thought it was, in, was, was very clearly funny and, and intended to draw out, you know, humorous tweets. And so I tagged somebody called tweets by feds. So I thought, Oh, this is perfect. You know, tweets by feds. This person reached out to me directly one-on-one -on -one and said, if you don't delete the tweet in 30 minutes, you know, then I'm going to block you and all this stuff. And then I, I thought this person was even joking at that point. I thought this whole thing was a joke and I just kind of laugh reacted. I was like, huh, you're funny, man. You know, I'm driving and I'm reading this and I'm, you know, and um, I actually, I was actually driving this time. Didn't have my illegal driver driving me around. And, um, and this person replied almost verbatim quote, quote, quote here. You don't even have the, the courage to talk to me man to man in DMS DM stands for direct message. Ladies and gentlemen, masculinity now in the United States of America and the USSA is defined by 
whether or not you're willing to engage someone directly in DMs, direct messages. Okay, we're not talking about even on the phone or a text message. So when it comes to, oh, you, you, your car is blocking me, we're not even talking about, uh, hey, calling Mike, texting Mike, hey, your car is blocking me, I need to get out. It's 10 o'clock on a Thursday and I have this emergency, right? Yeah, it's not an emergency. Whatever it is, we're talking about, oh, I'm going to go tell all the neighbors that he did this on purpose. I'm going to assume the worst in him that he did this on purpose. The effeminacy in our culture, the lack of uh, decorum, respect, justice, I, prudence, I, whatever it is, to, to, to talk to the person in person. Hey, hey, I, can you move your car? I'm trying to get out. Your little car is blocking my three-car parking area, and I can't maneuver my van around you like I personally could. I'm just telling you, I could, even without a backup cam. I can do it old school, bring the arm back, head over the shoulder. I am backing that bus up, okay? I don't care. I can get it out. But okay, you can't get it out. That's fine. That's fine. But for you to go to the neighbors and go to everyone else and say, oh, yeah, Mike does this on purpose. He blocks my car and it's we if we assume the worst in everyone around us, ladies and gentlemen. I would hate to see what our particular judgment is going to look like if our Lord assumes the worst in us. So can't we just for a week assume the best of intentions in everybody else around us? That's my unpopular opinion. Why can't we be friends? Kumbaya. Can we sing Kumbaya? <laughs> yeah, right. uh, safe, let's not it, it's say safe, it's, safe, it's safe to say that I'm going to win this week. <laughs> yeah, even with the slap, I'm still going to win. Yeah. Probably so. So thank you, everyone, for uh, keeping up with us for uh, what well, we're up to three hours now. Good, good Lord. Past. Uh, as long as the last week's chat that ever was uh you've kept up with us so we really appreciate it uh have a good night and god bless in a universe that's infinite like many theorizers is there are parallel worlds where every possibility lives so a planet somewhere out there, the history the same as ours is written. The only difference is that everyone's a kitten. Kitty history just like ours. Kitty dinosaur. The kitty's driving cars. Kitty history. in quantum space. Mathematically, this had to take place. Kitty world. Columbus sailed until he saw land, but then quickly got off so he could poop in the sand. They formed the first kitty cities and kitty towns. Then they wake up at night just to run around. They had their own little kitty civil war, but found some string and forgot what they were fighting for. It's kitty history, and it's just like us. Little kitty 
Jones from a company where his wife was the main stock holder and they made a kitty fortune for the I have two shotguns on my home. They're locked in a safe. There's a metal gun case. We live in an area that's wooded, somewhat secluded. And I said, Jill, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony and fire two blasts outside the house. Buy shotgun, buy shotgun. You don't need a machine gun. You don't need 30 rounds. Buy a shotgun. Buy a double barrel shotgun. No, you don't need a flamethrower. And you don't need a tank. And you, you don't, don't need, need an AR-15. Scare those thugs away. No, and I don't need a grenade launcher. I don't need an F-15. There's just one thing I need to do. And I'll stay away from me. Fire to blast outside the house. Buy a shotgun, buy a shotgun, buy a shotgun, baby. You don't need a machine you don't gun, need a machine you don't need 30 rounds. Buy a shotgun, buy a shotgun, shotgun. Fire two blasts outside the house. Buy a shotgun, buy a shotgun. You don't need a machine gun, you don't need 30 rounds.